Hey, welcome in everybody to the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisor Group Studios. Check out all things O'Connor Advisor Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter. Our handle is at Coach Bo Knows Show. Check out the Facebook page. Just search for Coach Bo Knows Show. And you can email us anytime at Coach Bo Knows Show at gmail.com. This is episode 99. And I'm joined today by my main man. Ladies, if you're in the, the, the greater Denver area, you can place out the Titleist Pro V1 golf balls. He'll magically appear out of nowhere. He's a man of style, sophistication, and is always undefeated against Hall pregnancy tests. He's the real reason Sierra moved to Denver. We all know it's true. We know it's true. Look, he's my name is Ricardo, but around here we call him Uncle Rico, my main man, Ricardo Gerbellini. Rico, what's happening, Captain? And I love football. I love <laughs> when football season comes back every year. And this week is no exception. It's drama, trials, tribulations, upsets, overtimes, and an occasional superstar appearance. It's, yeah. I love football, man. Right. I love football. This let's, is so good. Let's get the the non-on-the-field shit out the way. Everyone's talking about it. We're going to give it a brief glimpse because we kind of have to. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift, look, I don't know about you, but I don't care. I'm happy for both people. They like each other. They want to be together. Cool. Good for you. But I could not care less that Travis Kelsey is apparently – Dating, speaking to, hanging out with Taylor Swift. Good for him. I'm happy for him. I'm not a 15 year old girl, so that's as far as I'll go. Yeah, I mean i i don't I don't have a good frame of reference for who Taylor Swift really is. Look, I know she's a mega star. I mean, you'd be hiding under a rock and not realize that. But again, I'm I'm a almost 50 year old white male. I really don't know much about her. I mean, I've heard some of her music. What I've heard is actually pretty decent. But I... Yes, she's got good music. She makes I'm very not good music. A, her biggest fan. You know, I, I'm not a Swifty, as they call it. I'm not. That's not me at all. You know, I wasn't going to go to her concert. I don't have a daughter. Thank God I have a son. I never take anybody to that concert. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, it's not my thing. But I'm happy for people. They want to be together. Good for them. And I think we should just leave them the fuck alone at this point. Your thoughts? That's that's. I completely agree. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for her. If they're happy together, great. Yeah. That's it. That's that's all I got. And I'm out. <laughs> well, let's get away from Taylor Swift for a little bit here. Um, we're going to try to get. Through, we're not going to go through all the games from this past week, but I do want to hit on some things that we saw, some different takes that we have after Week Three of the NFL. Um. I kind of said we were texting back and forth about what we're going to talk about tonight. I said the theme this week was simply going to be bad quarterbacking and bad coaching because we saw a lot, a lot of, of both of that. And we've pretty much seen that consistently through the season so far, through three weeks. Uh, the defenses are way ahead of the quarterbacks, uh, except for in Miami. And – the coaching staffs, the the coaches are just. I don't know what some of these coaches are thinking. So I, I'm gonna get on here. 
I want to ask you first and foremost, what was the most impressive thing you saw this week in the NFL? I think we're going to agree with this. But that's, I want to hear not, you. that's not Miami. Well, Miami, it's, yeah. <laughs> 70 points. I mean, if you look across the board, it's Miami. I mean, I, I can talk about I, – I, I could sing the praises of the 49ers. I, I could sit here and talk about – we could talk about yesterday's game. I thought how the Philly game evolved. And how that, to me, when I finally watched – this is my first Philly game I actually get to watch end-to-end yesterday. And I had – it was reminding me of how they were last year, kind of a boxer's, boxer's approach. Come out in the first quarter, they're feeling everybody out. Come in the second quarter, a couple body blows. Come in the third quarter, they now own the game. Yeah. That's how it felt with Philly, and it reminded me of the way we saw games being played last year yeah. of Philly. So I feel a lot better about how my, my feelings with Philly this year having seen yesterday. Yeah. You know, I said, I said going into this week's games that I still had Philly as my number one, you know, power rankings team, if you will. Um, I don't think there's any way we can say it's not the Dolphins. I mean, just 70 points is – it hasn't happened in 45 years. I mean, that's unbelievable. And as, as impressive as that is, I mean, it was how they did it. That was how, that was so impressive. Um, I want to get the Philly in the – I want to get the Philly back to Philly in a minute, but let's talk about the Dolphins for a minute. This is the team that you, have, you predicted and you said early in the season – this your Super Bowl prediction? You had the Dolphins in the Super Bowl, right? I have, I, and, and I confirmed it yesterday. I did a, a full season's pick yesterday, yeah. and I have Dolphins 49ers in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, and I, but I've I've been high on the 40. If Tua, I said if Tua can stay healthy, yeah. I don't know of another team that could stop them this year. Yeah, it's that good. He's played incredible, but you know they scored seventy points and. The most impressive part of this, if you look at the box score, if you go to the stats and you look at this and go, okay, they scored 70 points. That's 10 touchdowns. Huh? He only threw he, for four. He ran for five of them. Uh-huh. Five rushing touchdowns in the game. I mean, uh-huh. and they averaged 8.1 yards per rush. That is absolutely mind-blowing. And we're not talking uh-huh. like 8.1. It was, you know, six carries and they broke 150 yarder in there. They ran the ball 43 times in that game as a team. And as a team averaged 8.1 per carry. Yep. And this is it, not like it is in, I want I want to take a moment there and just tell Jim Jim Mersey, go fuck yourself. Please. Jim Mersey. Go fuck yourself. Because uh, uh, Miami's doing it right. Man, that's how you build a football team. You play defense, uh-huh. you run the football, and then you don't have to have the GOAT at quarterback. If you can do those two things. And look, Tua had an incredible game. Tua tackled by a low with 23 of 26 for four for 310 and four touchdowns. Yeah. Four touchdowns. And four touchdowns. It's ridiculous. A, here was 11.9 yards an attempt. I mean, that's wicked. And, I mean, you threw, they threw the ball 28 times in that game and scored 70 points. They ran the ball. I, was, I didn't get to watch all of it. I got to watch pieces of it. 
And I had to go to an event. You know about that. I had to go to an event on Sunday night. And so I'm in my car and I'm yeah. driving the family. And so I asked Peyton. Peyton's in the back seat. And I said, hey, pull up the stats from that game. I said, tell me how many – give me two as numbers first off. Thinking that – not knowing yet that it was 10 touchdowns. I'm thinking he threw six or seven. And I was like, well, tell me the stats. And he told me the stats. He says, 23 of 26. And I went, almost veered off the road first off. 23 of 26. I was shocked, not by the percentage. I mean, we knew it was going to be a good number. He scored seven, but only 26 attempts. And he says, for, he said, for 309 and four touchdowns. And I said, wait a minute, he threw for four? He said, yeah. He says, Dad, Mike White threw for one. I said, okay. That means they ran for five. He was like, yeah. Uh-huh. Mostert had three. Um, Devon. Devon a chain. A chain. A chain. A chain. Had two on 18 carries for 203, by the way. 18 carries, 203. That's 11.3 yards. 18 for 203, and Mostert had 13 for 82 with three scores. I was sitting there going, wow. I mean, you. it's not like they just sat back four wide and just kept throwing bombs and scored 10 touchdowns. They were breaking off huge yeah. runs. So you can't even fault them for yeah. running the score up and scoring 70 points because you can't stop from running the football. What do you want to do? This is, a, this is the perfect storm of high-powered electric offense and one of the worst defenses in the league. Sean Payton was brought in, and the talk on the offseason was all about Russ. Russ ain't the problem. Russ was 23 for 38, threw for 308, had a score and one interception. But that team can't stop anything. Yeah. Russ is not the problem in Denver right now. It's everything else. They came in and we thought Sean Payton needs to fix Russ. Well, Russ is fixed. He's not. He's not. Super Bowl, he's not Tom Brady. But you know what he's not doing? He's not fucking it up. He's playing pretty decent. You look at his numbers, his numbers are pretty good. But that team is not two Cortland Sutton had two fumbles. Where's the ball security? And in you running, you running for uh, on the ground. Now, yeah, a chain a chain had two oh three, Mostert had eighty two. They still got sixty six out of Chris Brooks. They ran for three fifty total on 43 runs. That's the numbers. Where is that defense? It is nowhere to be found. I went watching it. These guys were just standing still while everyone was running around them. It was ridiculous. They didn't know. They couldn't tackle. You get contact and nobody knew how to wrap up. Coverage was awful. I mean, I saw, you know, the catches you see on Tyreek, Tyreek should never, ever be open and there were multiple catches he had where there wasn't anybody for five yards in any direction yeah that is awful i don't care who you are you can never leave tyreek tyreek open like that well a lot of the stuff with tyreek hills also schemed and they use they use some things to get him open i mean he's gonna get open you gotta figure that once or twice a game tyreek hills is gonna be open i mean he i look at it so like i i I get that I look at the Tyreek Hill thing and I say, okay, look, there's 
four or five weapons in the NFL that you know in every game they're going to get you a little. Tyreek Hill is one of them. Travis Kelsey is one of them. Jamar Chase is one of them. I think Justin Jefferson, who actually is the best receiver in the league, I think Justin Jefferson is, um, is one of them. And there's a couple others that on a given day can be in that group. Those are the four I look at and go, they're your problem. Like, you got to minimize that in a game. But now, if you're playing Miami, you got to minimize the playmaker in Tyreek Hill. But you've also got to, like, load the box against this defense, against this run game. And that's going to be very tough. I would agree with you, except in, except for one thing, and this is specific to to this week. There's no Jalen Waddle. Yeah, there's no Del Ride receiver. They did this without Jalen Waddle. But the important point I'm making there is that without Jalen Waddle, he's your only wide receiver one. You have to be concerned with yeah. leaving him open at any time is unacceptable as a yeah. defense. When you don't have a WR two like Jalen Waddle, where you have to respect that as well. Yeah. There's no excuse for that. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable. So, I mean, clearly, you know, and I was the guy last week said that, hey, I, I'm I'm buying in on the Dolphins, but I wasn't going to put them ahead of the Eagles yet. They're ahead. I mean, just only a fool would say right now that the Eagles are better. And, and you kind of have to react to 70 points. I mean, that's as impressive as you can ever be. I mean, that's just – and the way they did it. They didn't do it by just – throwing the ball every damn play. It had been different if Tua was 42 of 52 for 600 yards and seven yeah. touchdowns. I would think it'd be like, look, that's an anomaly. It's not an anomaly when you run the football. And the 70 points is an anomaly. That ain't going to happen again. And it has happened once in 45 years. But yeah, we may not see the, it again for another four decades. The run game being that good tells me that this is a for real team. And with Aaron Rodgers being hurt and out for the season for the Jets, Buffalo had some struggles week one. They look a lot better the last two weeks. Um, New England has had a couple of rough patches these last couple of games. They've been in competitive games. They're going to be competitive, but they're not ascending to the top. The East is the Dolphins to run away with at this point. So it's going to be interesting. The next thing I want to talk about is the the biggest probably disappointment of the week. And that's got to be the Dallas Cowboys. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. I'm personally pissed at the Cowboys. Now, look, you know me. You've known me for 30 years almost. I do not like the Dallas Cowboys. Uncle Rico, I'll tell you what the Dallas Cowboys did to me this weekend, though. Dallas Cowboys cost me a shot at $2,000 on draft. <laughs> I made a bet. I made a bet. I was It was a good bet, too. I took – and, look, this is how I did it. It wasn't – you know, the, the Cowboys were a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. The Chiefs were a 12-and-a-half-point favorite. I took the Cowboys, the Chiefs, on the money line, just win the game, along with the Packers – and who was the other one? The Lions. The Lions, yeah. Those four. Yeah. 
And Bob's right. It was five. It was Buffalo as well. Five games. Five games on the money line. And I'm sitting here going, here we go. Buffalo beats the hell out of the Commanders. Check. The Lions beat up the Falcons. In a game that I thought would be close. The Packers hold it off in the fourth quarter. We're going to get to that game because someone's absolutely right on that team. I warned you, motherfuckers. I warned you. Um, (laughs) And then we go to the two afternoon games. And I'm thinking, cash money, baby. This is all coming to two Gs. All we need to do is win. We don't have to cover 12. Even at halftime, I was like, dude, the Cowboys are down. They're they're down sale. They'll be fine. They'll be fine. They'll they'll win this game. This is the Cardinals are going to blow this. Hey, the Chiefs were clearly handling their business. And the Cowboys never got. And then late in the game, I'm, I'm, I'm watching on my phone. I'm at a, I'm at a party, and they got the Chiefs game on, and they won't change the channel until the game is over. And I'm watching it on my phone, and I see Dallas in the red zone, inside the five, and I'm going, "Hey, there's time. They score here, play some D, get the ball back. They'll need a field goal. This game, they can win this game." Dak throws a a second interception in the red zone. Two red zone interceptions from Dak Prescott. And I about threw the motherfucking phone. The Cardinals (laughs) go up to one, and the Cardinals go all the way down the field, score touchdown. And I'm like, well, the game's over now. It's 12. 12 with two minutes to go. This game's over. And it leads me to this thing of – should never have bet on the Cowboys because we know that Mike McCarthy is going to find a way to screw this thing up. He always does. I have said this for years. I did not expect him to screw it up this way this week against that team. The Cardinals are not a good team. Now, they are not tanking. People will say... I was listening to Dominique Foxworth last two. He thought the Cardinals are clearly tanking. And I'm sitting there going, I don't know. They played really well against the Giants in the first half of that game last week. This week they played the Cowboys. And they, and they came out and slugged the Cowboys in the face. The same way they did the Giants week two. And I'm looking at this going, okay, well, I'm fucked now. So I lost my chance. So fuck you, Dallas. Fuck you, Mike McCarthy. Um Clearly, they are not. They are not ready to be one of those top five teams. Those teams that we look at and go, they have a shot. They are legitimately in this thing. And look, they had the injury earlier in the week. Trayvon Diggs gets hurt and he's out for the season. Yeah, uh, injury at practice. But even then, I argued that piece and said, look. Trey Winnes is clearly a really, really good receiver, a really good uh, defensive back. Led the league in interceptions. A lot of the reason he led the league in interceptions is they didn't want to throw to the other side. And he kept getting those on the backside of plays. Um, a clearly talented player, but you go into Arizona, that is a predominant – even the stadium is mostly Cowboys fans at that game. It has been for generations. Yeah. It's not like yeah. you went into a hostile environment. 
But you just went in there and laid a fucking egg. And that is... The Cardinals are not exactly revered even in Arizona because they haven't been good for a couple of years. And, you know, bad coaching, dysfunctional play, you know, locker room. But I got to say, I'm encouraged. There's two things I want to mention here. One, Dallas never got with never got closer than five points. They never led. Never led in the game. Five points was as close as they got. They did it twice in that game, but they did not lead. The other side of that is I am encouraged by what Jonathan Gannon has been able to do coming over from Philly from last year. I believe he was the OC for Philly last year and has taken this as a head coaching job, and he's starting to make some changes. I personally, and we, and I know we have uh, something to talk about about this, but I would leave Kyler Murray on the bench because without him, they feel like a team. Yeah. For once, playing with Joshua Dobbs as quarterback, they actually don't feel dysfunctional this yeah, year. Right. Now. I see your point there, and I think that Joshua Dobbs is not a franchise quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. No. But I'm not no. sure that Kyler Murray is either. Um. With the Cardinals, and we're going to get to a point you made offline and we're going to talk about here in a minute, but um, there are some things to look up at. Look, they're not a contender, but they're not, not this year, no. no. But they're not going to go out there and, and go, you know, two and 15. And they are not trying to tank. Now, again, if I were them, I try to look at tanking because the quarterback you can get by tanking is a lot better than the one you got. <laughs> but yeah, you know, but I don't know if you know this. Caleb Williams's father, you know, Caleb is a quarterback at USC who's been the number one pick in the draft. His father made it very clear. Uh, the, the the quote about a week and a half ago was, "He doesn't have to come out. He's only a junior." Yeah, yeah, and he's getting nil money in LA and USC. That's a lot of NIL money. And and he signed a deal with Fanatics already. He signed a deal a couple big a big corporate deals already. He's already lined up to be a millionaire. So it, it whoever tries to tank for that number one spot may not be there. Caleb Williams might look at this thing and go, I don't know if I want to go. So we'll see. I I think you have to go. I, I think I th- I think if you make the argument, you know, if you look yeah. at if you compare the top, if you look at C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Bryce Young this year, yeah. and you know we're talking, you know we're talking Cardinals. Houston is very similar to the Cardinals, where they're kind of rebuilding. Mm-hmm. And we and you know we 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 talked about it a little bit offline. Mm-hmm. That there's the two of those situations are hard for a rookie quarterback. C.J. Stroud's not. It's not like C.J. Stroud's got it easy. But I think compared to his other two, he has a less difficult road than Anthony Richardson and Bryce Young right yeah. now. Let's table that for a minute and come back to it because yeah. we're going to get there. Yeah. I'm going to get there on all three of those guys in a minute because I okay. think we've seen so some things on Williams, that's, yeah. yeah, if you're talking about Caleb Williams, yeah. that is a consideration. Yeah. You're absolutely right. So I want to get to the Arizona thing real quick because you made a mention – uh, offline, I hadn't heard this, and I hadn't even thought of it this way. Arizona's going quarterback in this draft, whether that be Caleb Williams, whether that be Drake May from from North Carolina, or uh, uh, Penix from Washington, who I'm 
humongous on. That get kid can just flat out fucking play football. Um, I think he'll be a, a star in the NFL, even though he's left-handed. Uh, I think Tua puts that thing to rest. Um, we do a Kyler Murray. I think you found an idea that I don't think is half bad. It, 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 and honestly, it was kind of off the cuff. I hadn't really thought about it. My my idea so far has been that because of the dysfunction Arizona has had while Kyler Murray is a starter, to me, he's a wash. All right now, you can't play him and expect to have success in this system. I don't care if, if it is a new coach. I don't think – I don't think – I think the – I think there's enough history there where it doesn't work. Yeah. Well, so why not is, straight up trade Carr for Murray? Well, and I don't know that it's if Carr both of Murray. them a fresh start. Yeah, I don't know that it's Carr for Murray, but I think that you got to get rid of Carr. You yeah, hate Carr. I, I, we'll get to the Saints in a minute, but um, <laughs> I think Kyler Murray is going to get traded. The issue is this contract. He did say he re-upped last year. He got the extension, so he's got a big contract. It's not like a Mahomes, Burrow. None of these guys have just got paid. It isn't that big. No, no. If you could find a way and you could get him for a low draft pick, it might be worth it to a team. And I think New Orleans could be a team to look at on that. Now, again, I think you have to also look at who's the coach there next year because I don't think it's going to be Dennis Allen. Um, yeah. Again, we're going to get there. So that was a very interesting point you made. You're like, could that be a marriage? And I think that could be. You know, Well, there's something says, to consider hey, for this fight. year. And the reason I – yeah, there's something to consider this year because we already know that Carr is sitting out with an ACL sprain. We don't know how long that could be. AC joint. It's AC going to be more than – all right, I'm sorry. Did I say ACL? No, AC yeah, joint. AC. Sorry, it's AC not ACL. AC joint. Yeah, and it's throwing. Um, so there's, and we don't know how that. We know he's going to be out at least a week. We don't know how much longer that could be. It could be longer. He's not a young man by any means. So, and we were as we were talking. To me, Jameis Winston is not a starter. He's a clipboard quarterback. Yeah. If you can get out from under the the, and I don't disagree with you on the contract with Carr, that was just dumb. He's not worth that much. Um, but if there's a way you can finagle it and get Kyler Murray into this system, I think it's a I think it works as a fresh start for Kyler Murray, who I believe to be a more skilled quarterback than either Winston or Carr. I think there's more upside and more potential there I mean, in the right system with the right coach. That's the word is upside. And I think anyone coming to Arizona, like they just got the new coach in the situation, that's not his guy. You know, I, I I don't see how that works in the future. And I think you go to the new, you go to the you go to the draft this year. Um Great. we'll get to New Orleans and some issues there. I want to finish the Cowboys point real quick. I still think they're a really good team, but they're a really, really good team. You're going to have a bump in the road every season. There's something that's going to happen every season. But what I'm not encouraged by is we've talked about this before. With Dak Prescott at quarterback, you know, we we kind of have the Dak Prescott rule. You got to be Dak Prescott or better to win a Super Bowl. Uh, there may be a time to start changing the name on that. We'll have to do a ranking and figure out where that line is now, but it might be higher than Dak Prescott. 
Um, here's what bothers me about the Cowboys. 33 rushes in that game, 40 passing attempts. In a game where you could say, well, they were behind the whole game. But there was a point in the third quarter, they're only five points back. Run the ball. Run the ball. The only touchdown Arizona got in the second half was the last possession of the game. Yeah. That was the only score the Cardinals had in the game, or in the second half. It was a whole bunch of field goals and a touchdown in the first half. If you're the Cowboys, you don't have to try to win it all at once. And that's a problem Mike McCarthy has always had. You know, it's like if you're a basketball team and you're down 10 and you start just chucking shots, there's no 10-point shot. It's every possession, maximize the possession. The Dallas Cowboys do not do that. If you're down eight, five, ten, unless there's two minutes left in the game, be calm, run the football, you're going to get there. You can still play your game. The Cowboys are going to lose every game that Dak Prescott throws the ball more than they run. Last year, the only game they won when he threw the ball more than they ran it was when they beat Brady and the Bucks, And that was the anomaly. We watched that game and went, he didn't even play that well. That defense kept him in that game. It was, I just look at it and go, no, I can't. The Cowboys have got to run the ball. And I know that I'm the guy who says you have to run the ball. You got to run the ball. Coach Bo, stop running the ball. Motherfucker, you have to run the ball if you're going to be a good team. Plain and simple. Here's the, here's the problem that I have with this last week because they had 33 rushes. I mean, Tony Paul were running for 23 times. Yeah. But – Dak Prescott threw for forty. Threw for My problem, my problem. I, I, I honestly, I, I don't think. I think it, in this game it has showed itself early, where we didn't see it. And I, and I said it last week. You asked me about Dallas last week, and I said you got a Giants team that was garbage. You got a Jets team that was garbage. The first two weeks. Yeah, you said that. Everybody went crazy over Dallas because of how well they played against two teams that didn't show up for those games. This is a game that Arizona wasn't expected to show up and did, and it has exposed Dallas to the problems they're going to have. And it starts, it's not the distribution of the ball. It's Mike McCarthy. Yes. It's his play calling. We we already knew that we had problems with Mike McCarthy when he can't handle the two-minute drill. He can't handle clock management at the end of the game. And now he's handling all the play calling because he got rid of his O.C. He wants to handle the play calling. Well, I don't see this year going any better than last year. As a matter of fact, I expect it to be worse. And it's not because of the players. It's because of him. I, this is a situation where Dallas has shown that they have exceptional talent with terrible leadership. And, they, and Dak can't go onto the field and just overrule the head coach. Because the head coach is Mike McCarthy, who is Jerry Jones's yes man. He's Jason Garrett 
That's what he is. Mike McCarthy's worse than Jason Garrett. And the reason I said this is that we knew that Jason Garrett would do whatever he was told. Mike McCarthy actually thinks he's a great coach. Mike McCarthy yes. won a Super Bowl in Green Bay. But he won that Super Bowl because he had Aaron Rodgers. Uh-huh. And Aaron Rodgers won him a Super Bowl. Plain and simple. This is the guy that had, look, you know how I feel about Aaron Rodgers. I don't like a lot of his shit off the field. But I've said it time and time again. He is the most technically talented quarterback of all time. And the fact that he only won the Super Bowl yep. one time with Mike McCarthy tells me all you know about Mike McCarthy. If you'd have given a lot of head coaches that Aaron Rodgers, they win more than one. So I just I don't know. They should have, but he didn't. It's pretty ridiculous. Um, I don't know what the Cowboys are going to be. I know they're going to be still a good team. Their defense is going to keep them in games. They can run the ball. It's just a matter of they've got to slow Dak the fuck down. That interception, the interception he threw in the red zone was just unbelievably bad. Uh, And then fourth and three at the four-yard line. I I still don't get why he goes for that one. Uh, This was... Third quarter? Yeah, third quarter. They're just they're, they're they're down eight. And this is three minutes to go in the third. Down eight. And he's gonna take fourth and three at the four and throw the football. And I'm like, just field goal, kick a field goal, because now a touchdown, you have the lead. Uh-huh. We had a couple of coaches can't figure out eight points. This week. And we're going to get to that one in a moment, too. There's something interesting about that because they go, they turn it over on downs there at the four. Uh-huh. Their next drive is a field goal. Now, if you kick it at fourth, fourth and third on the four, you're only down by three. Well, they were down this eight, is, down five. The, the next one puts them down two, but that field goal they got was with 9.33 to go in the game. You have over half of a quarter to go, and you'd be down two. Yeah, it and it changed. Those little things can change the momentum of your team. So we don't – you can take that from there and say, if you, this had happened, we don't know what the outcome would have been. It could have been the same. The rest of the series could have been the same, but you don't know because now the dynamic of the, of the game has changed, yeah. and and we don't know how that influences. Yeah. That's that's hindsight look in twenty twenty. Yeah. But the point being here is that, like we like you're saying, you have a situation there. Mike McCarthy makes that call, and it's the wrong call. It is. Look, you have I'm... tons of time left. You need that field goal anyway. Mm-hmm. Why not just take it now? Take the points. Take the points whenever you can get them. You're chipping away. You're chipping away. You've got the better defense. Keep chipping away. Keep chipping away. And eventually, you're going to get it. Situationally, that is the wrong call. If you're 0-0 at fourth and third on the floor in the first quarter, and you're challenging your team, I get that. If you're the fourth quarter, and you're down, and you need this score, I get that. This, I don't get. Yeah, eight, eight points. I, I I got to question some some things there. Uh, speaking of 
for coaches questioning and not knowing about points. Oh, Lord have mercy. All right. I won't talk about this guy because I already don't like this motherfucker. And this guy could not even been on my staff at Veritas. I'm going to tell you right now. Josh McDaniel can be taken up in a really high plane and thrown out for all I care. This motherfucker cannot coach, period, point blank. Now, I haven't figured out. Do you know what happened in this game with the eight points and the field goal late in the game? Yeah. We, we're talking about it, and I know that we talked about, well, you know, chip away, chip away, chip away. Now, there's a difference when there are two minutes and 22 seconds left in the game. It is two minutes and 22 seconds left in the game. And it is an eight-point deficit. I'm going to repeat those stats. It is two minutes and 22 seconds left in the game. You are down eight. You have the ball. It's fourth and four at the eight. Okay, so you can still get a first down. You can still get in the end zone. It's an eight-point game. Now, do we remind how this works? A touchdown is six points. Next point's one. You can also go for two, which will give you eight points. Josh McDaniels, for some reason, fourth and five, four plays before with 311 to go at the 29-yard line kicks the field goal. I don't hate that decision. I, I reiterate Three, three and 11 left at the 29. I don't hate the decision. They make the field goal. Penalty on the Steelers. You get 15 yards. So they take the points off the board, which clearly I would have done. And now I got first and 10 at the 14. Of course, they, they have Jimmy Garoppolo, who is horrible. Um, Garoppolo gets six. He throws an incomplete pass. He throws a second incomplete pass. Now we got fourth and four at the eight, but now you're on the 222. So, again, we're closer. And eight points can be done. You can get a first down. You can get a first down and run that motherfucker all the way down to where the clock is sitting there on triple zero when you scored a touchdown, and you know you're going to overtime. But not with Josh McDaniel. Yeah. He decides at 222 to go he's kicking a field goal. Kicks the field goal. He gets the Steelers to punt. Holy fucking shit. He gets the Steelers to punt with 23 seconds left. And then, of course, the first play, Garoppolo throws an interception. Again, I'm not going to I'm not going to get on Jimmy Garoppolo about the interception. What I am going to get on is the fact that with two minutes to go, 2.22 to go, and the opportunity to get in the first down at the eight-yard line, you have no way of being sure you can get back down there with two minutes to go. With 3.13, you did, and especially at the 29-yard line. I mean, that's, that's different. Kick that field goal. I think what happened was I think somewhere that – Josh McDaniels has a burner account with DraftKings. 
And I think he had a six-game <laughs> parlay. And I think part of his six-game parlay was that he needed a field goal. He had a Raider field goal as part of his same game parlay, and that's why he kicked it. That is the only reason I can think of why he kicked that ball. Well, and here's the interesting thing about this, and, and we this this is not a defense. It's simply fact. And it's not a defense of Josh McDaniels. Let me be clear on this. I am agreeing with you, and Josh McDaniels is a is as, as bad, if not worse, than Mike McCarthy. At some point, Garoppolo got a concussion in this game. He is in concussion protocol right now. Yeah. So when we start talking about, you know, this smells of Tua from last year, he shouldn't have even been out there for that interception. Yeah. But they take that, set that aside. You're absolutely right. The decision-making here is god-awful. It's Mike McCarthy-esque, if you will, in the decision-making. I think Josh McDaniels, I'm going to say this, because Josh McDaniels has made some of the most bonehead calls I've ever seen. I think that Josh McDaniels is one of the worst head coaches I've ever seen in the NFL. But let's be, let's be clear. That was bad. That was fireable, to be perfectly clear. We talk a lot about there's a lot of people who will say, oh, you fire a coach for that bad decision. That's a fireable offense. Absolutely. But you look at his man's track record. Now, look, if Bill Belichick does that, you give him the benefit of the doubt because he's Bill Belichick. I don't know how Josh McDaniel has any credibility in this league. This is a guy that continues to make boneheaded calls. This is the guy that wants Jimmy Garoppolo as his quarterback. Look, and I, I'm no Derek Carr defender, okay, clearly. But if I'm the Raiders, I'd have kept Derek Carr over Jimmy Garoppolo. You and I, you and I are completely different on that now, spectrum. How well, then I think, well, let me finish. And on the McDaniels thing, this is still the same guy who 10-plus years ago on a draft day tried to convince the world that Tim Tebow was an NFL quarterback. It took him in the first round. Traded up to draft him in the first round. Nobody was taking – there was nobody that thought that guy was was a first-round pick. There are people who didn't think he was an NFL quarterback at all. And this guy traded up for him. Look, so if he was right then, which he wasn't, but if he had he been right, if he, then he could be considered the smartest guy in the room. But when you make such an obviously bad decision that you then get fired for, and that's essentially why he got fired again, he goes back to Bill Belichick as a coordinator. They played fairly well. They played better with McDaniels as the OC than they did the year before. And Josh McDaniels figures out that, look, he is not going to be Bill Belichick's successor. Whether he's been told that or not, he was not getting that job. So somehow he gets Mark Davis, the owner of the of the Raiders, to hire him as the next head coach. And Ricardo, have you ever seen Mark Davis? 
the owner I've of the Ravens. I've seen old pictures of it. Yeah, I've seen some I, older I, pictures. Wait, take a moment and Google it. Let me let me Google them. And I, I think need to, when you Google it, Google Mark Davis hairstyle, haircut, whatever you oh, want. Oh, good lord. Oh, yeah, 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 now I... So, I, I'm going to say this, look. Because Tweedledee and Tweedledum in the yeah, same body. Yeah, so and that's well put. Um, Mark Davis, his father, Al Davis, is one of the most influential people in the history of the NFL. His father was oh, a yeah. fucking football genius. What he did in Oakland... All those years in L.A. for a few years, back to Oakland. Al Davis was a genius. And Al Davis, even when he was wrong, you could see the mad scientist of him. He wasn't going to be told what to do. And he didn't like being told what to do. Now, Mark Davis clearly is not a mad scientist. If you look at him, it looks like he doesn't even go to Fantastic Sam's to get a haircut. I mean, this guy's a billionaire. and He has the worst... It looks like um, Jim Carrey's character from Dumb and Dumb. That's generous. That's being generous. My opinion. It's being so, generous. It's bad. Somehow. It would, it would be Jim Carrey in Dumb and Dumber if he ate Jeff Daniels. Yeah, yeah if he ate it's really well put, too. Um, I don't <laughs> understand how Mark Davis decided he was going to hire. He, he looked at this and went, hmm. I'll give you an example. Mark Davis hired Josh McDaniels when everyone told him it was a bad idea. Now, his father made a hire once in the 70s as a head. He went and hired a head coach once where everybody kind of was like, that guy? Now, that guy ended up being John Madden. Yeah. Okay, so (laughs) again, I'll give his old man a pass. His old man saw John Madden at 31 years old and said, this guy knows what he's doing. Now, his old man also kind of lost his shit when he, when he hired Lane Kiffin. So you, you have to take the good with the bad. But Mark Davis hiring Josh McDaniel is more Lane Kiffin than it is John Madden. I mean, that's just awful. And there's at no reason point, this guy I, should be a head I coach. I would say the, the, the idiocy, the incompetence is not that he hired J- Josh McDaniel. Is that Josh McDaniel is still the head coach. Yes. That, that's even more bad. Yeah, even more so. I agree. Horrible. Horrible. I just... Absolutely. Fact that, look, there are... I'll say this. If Josh McDaniel was fired tomorrow by the Raiders and he decided he did not want to coach in the NFL anymore, he says, you know what? I want to go be innovative and coach in college. There's not a lot of colleges that would hire him. I mean, when oh, Lane Kiffin got fired from the Raiders, he went to Tennessee and it was a big deal. He went to Tennessee and, you know, there was a, you know, where he went after that, he's kind of jumped around and, you know, now he's in Mississippi. But you look at this and you go, wait a minute. Josh McDaniel will never be that. Josh McDaniel will never be Lane Kiffin. And that says a lot about you, that you can't even be Lane Kiffin. And yet you're the coach of an head coach of an NFL team. That's an indictment on the coach. It's an indictment on the owner. It's an indictment on the entire organization. 
If you are a Raider fan and you are listening to this, my sympathies, my people. But let me explain something to you. You don't have to take it. You don't. Believe me, I'm a, I was a New Orleans Saints fan, y'all. I wore a bag on my head in the 80s. I went through the years of Bobby Hebert, John Forcade, and, I mean, look, Aaron Brooks was out there trying to be Lamar Jackson before Lamar Jackson. I, but I wasn't going to suffer fucking Derek Carr. I'm out. And that's Raider fans, y'all can do the same thing. You can you can be a free agent. It's okay. I have a theory. It, it has come to me now into this situation. I was thinking about this yesterday and today. As to why the rose ceremony didn't work. It's not because you're not it's not because you're a free agent. You're still a Saints fan. You're just waiting. Win. To come back, it's exactly. I mentioned waiting. That. I to am come back. I, I am coming it's, back. You know what the rules? That's are. That's the thing. <clears throat> yes, it's, and in in on a, it as in anything on a timeline. Eventually, that will happen, and yes. you will be back. Absolutely, that is why the ceremony didn't work. That's right. I I hundred percent acknowledge that. Yes, I said that. I said that on the pod. That look, it, it was well, not it, being said. But you, but. My my point was is that you went through the whole process with the best of intentions and it yes. didn't work for one simple reason. And it and it hit me when I saw car, the car's injury. One of two has happened. If you get the second one, means, you might be I, a Saints fan again I this Googled, year. Let me tell you something. I Googled AC joint as soon as I heard it. It was like, what's the recovery from AC joint? <laughs> like the only couple times I've known about, like I've hurt my AC joint before, and that shit hurts and it nags for months. I can't imagine uh-huh. that being a throwing arm. Now they're saying six, eight weeks. They, they say that he'll probably be out six weeks. So I mean, he could be back before then, but he won't be fully healed for six weeks. But every time he throws, there's a possibility. People, you look at their car, you don't think he's going. He's not a young. He's been around the league a while now. He's in his, I think he's like thirty. This, I don't know how old. This is his tenth season. Yeah, he's thirty-one or thirty-two. This is his tenth season. Something like that. Yeah. My point he was might not come back. My point was: look, the dude has had nine seasons. He's regressed for the last four. There was a reason that he had no one wanted him. In fairness, we just crapped on Josh McDaniel. That's a big reason why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but literally nobody wanted Derek Carr. I agree. I Only agree. New and, I, and honestly, I, I, and I've defended Jimmy Garoppolo over the last couple of years, but I can't keep defending him. And I, he's in a, and now he's in a situation just like Derek Carter's shitty coach. It's not going to get any better for him here on out. But I do see, I could see other options for him like coaching, but I don't, I think he's done a, a you know, I think he's at the end of his starting career, if you will. Oh, I agree with that. So I, I yeah, that's where I'm at with, the, with that whole piece. Josh McDaniels, horrible, horrible situation. Like I said, the theme for this week was going to be bad coaching and bad quarterback play. In a time that this league is, the quarterback position has never been as more important than it currently is. I mean, you look, these top teams, you've got to have, if you've got a real legit shot at going and winning a Super Bowl, you are going to have to have a very good quarterback. 
And when we say that, and, you know, we've kind of made the, the list in the past, about a dozen or so quarterbacks that legitimately are good enough to take a team to a Super Bowl. You know, it's why I think that the, the Brock Purdy thing's not going to work in the long run, unless he gets a lot better. Because I, I think he, you're wrong on him. Yeah, we'll, a, we'll talk about it a little bit about, but that's my thinking. That's the reason I think the way I think on that. He Can he improve and, and show me I'm wrong? Yes. In the second half of that game this week, he played a lot better. He looked really good in the second half of their game Thursday. Now, yeah. first half, he looked terrible. Like, throws were bad. It happens. And they do, absolutely. But they look, he did not look. Second half was a totally different cat. Uh, they also ran the ball more. It helps. But getting back to your point on bad coaching, I think I think there is a turnover happening in the coaching realm that yeah. hasn't fully caught up because they're starting to look at guys like and I, and I mentioned it earlier, Jonathan Gannon in Arizona, you know, and I believe his counterpart is in Indy this year. Yeah, Shane Steckham has done a really good job in Indy so far. He's, he's there. He's not got a lot to work with, and he's got a young quarterback, but they're, they're, he's doing something with what he's got. Yeah, I mean, you they're two and one. Now in Houston. Yeah, Demico, yeah. Oh, yeah. You look at Demico Ryan's in Houston. You look at Mike McDaniel's in Miami, and all these emer- this, these emerging, this new generation of emerging coaching that is actually looking really, really well. Kind of the, uh, but what I think is something that the league is holding on to are the Josh McDaniels, the Nathaniel Hackett's, the Mike McCarthy's of the league that bring everything down. Yeah, you know, and and we start talking. You can start. You look at, you know, uh, was it uh, uh, the the DC over here in Denver is awful. Vance Joseph. Okay, Vance Joseph. Yes, who's the, he was the head coach there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vance Joseph. Yeah, it, who's yeah who was a head coach and they brought him back. I'm like, well, he didn't work as a head coach, and you think it's going to work? But then you also look at um, uh, the Bengals coach. You look at gotcha. the uh, the Chargers. Yeah. And 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 uh, those guys, you're starting to, you can really start to kind of draw the line in who you could see are successful, good coaches and coaches who lack. Okay, heavily. so I kind of have an explanation for this. All right, so the league has a problem when it comes to head coaches. You're always going to have certain older guys. We still have Mike McCarthy and Sean Payton and. Um, a few others that are just Bill Belichick still around and a couple others. We then saw this thing where Sean McVay became the head coach, the Rams, and they had this great success quickly. So automatically anyone in Sean McVay's orbit all of a sudden became a head coach. You know, that was where Zach Taylor came from. It's where um, LaFleur and Green Bay, who I think is a really good coach actually, it was this idea of we got to go get that guy. We got to go get a guy like him, like Sean McVay. And so the idea was go get a Sean McVay guy. You know, I talked about Zach Taylor. Look, I went off last week about Zach Taylor. I still think he sucks. But Zach Taylor was just one of the, he was he was one of the QB coaches for Sean McVay. He's in the orbit of him. He got a head coaching job. We also see these guys who are sort of the – is the nepotism of the NFL. Yes. Um, yes. The one that's been successful has been Kyle Shanahan. 
Kyle Shanahan has been successful. Now, again, my knock on Kyle Shanahan will always be 28 to 3. Um, he blew that. He blew that as an offensive coordinator. He couldn't call a game up 24, 25 points in the Super Bowl. Um, and the funny thing is that I kind of knew it at halftime. I, I looked at it with it. They're going to lose this game. Yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> we, you ask. I watched the game of Carl Heinrich. And me and Carl were sitting there, and I went, um, they can come back and win this game. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> and both of us were like, it's going to happen. But midway through the third quarter, we're like, yeah, it's over. Patriots going to win this game. Um, that was Super Bowl five, six years ago. Kyle Shanahan has been the kind of the exception to the rule, but he's been so good as a head coach. And he was really good as an offensive coordinator. Let's get it. I mean, I give him shit about the Super Bowl. But he was excellent as an offensive coordinator in Atlanta. And look, he got Mike, he got Matt Ryan to the MVP. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty fucking good. Uh-huh. Matt Ryan might get in the Hall of Fame because of Kyle Shanahan. Really don't see how it's going to happen, but he might. One day, he, they, <laughs> one day that guy's going to get in the Hall of Fame. I'm going to lose my shit when that happens. Because <laughs> you know how much I hate that guy. Um, I know. I just, I'll never like him. But anyway, I, I look at it and I go, there's this nepotism thing. These coaches that are coaches, sons of other coaches. It really hasn't worked. But then you have Mike McDaniel. And you have, um, you mentioned a couple of them earlier. I announced. Uh, D'Amico Ryan. D'Amico Ryan's. Um, Jonathan Gannon's looking pretty yeah, good. Yeah, the, these two quarters came from the Eagles. Um, you know, yeah. the, Sirianni, who's with the Eagles, was a Doug Peterson guy. They're kind yes, of all the, yes. you know, those guys are kind of that same breed. They weren't the coach's sons who got into the league because of who their dad was. And that, again, a lot of those guys only a lot. You go look at these coaching staffs, you're going to recognize a lot of last names. Just tell you that now. Yeah. You want to research it, Bill. Yeah. Um, from there, what we've also seen is that. Like, this idea of we kind of get this guy, we can't get that guy, so let's get the guys like him, the Sean McVay people. Um, there's nothing wrong with doing it your way and, and getting better and better. There is no perfect way to become a head coach. There's no perfect way to become an NFL head coach. Look, D'Amico Ryan is the head coach in the NFL. We knew when he was a coordinator of the 49ers, he was going to be an excellent head coach. He also took the job that a lot of people didn't want. And you and I mentioned this earlier. I don't see why nobody wanted that job. From you the- and I thought this was a prime job so at the end of last year. This I was know. the job to get. You and I were talking in the office on this podcast. We said this back in February when all this coaching stuff was in the uh-huh. council was moving. And I said, if you asked me, what was the one job you would take? And I said the Houston Texans. And you absolutely agree. you looked at me like I was fucking crazy. And then I explained, oh. I explained myself. And I went, look, you're going to get a quarterback. You're probably not going to get Bryce Young. But C.J. Stroud is the most ready right now of the four quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's not the best career, but he's the best QB one right now. 
they don't have anybody dragging the salary cap down. There's no high-priced players. They're young everywhere. You have ownership that was willing to make a huge move to get rid of Deshaun Watson. They got a fucking bounty of first-round picks. So now you're picking Cleveland's first-round picks for three years. So now you can keep adding depth. And then on draft day, they went and got C.J. Stroud. And they went and made another deal. And they, it's like, well, fuck, man. They're just going to keep adding great great players, young, talented uh-huh. players. And you're going to give me a coach that's just respected by everybody? I mean, D'Amico Ryans is like, he's like a better version of Wade Phillips. And that may not make a lot of sense to some people, but like, if you don't understand, Wade Phillips may not be the greatest head coach of all time, but he's like triple OG. There's nobody in the league doesn't respect that guy. I would say he's. I would say he's got the coaching chops of a Wade Phillips yes. with the demeanor and respect to be a head coach. Yes, yes, and he's Wade not Phillips a gimmick. Not. He, he is well respected. Knows his shit. Knows he's gonna and and everybody who walks through that door is gonna respect him. And he doesn't have to worry about having Deshaun Watson and all the problems that come with that. Whether you like that the Texans put up with and did some of the things, Ellen and I talked about this in the pod. She has a huge yeah. disrespect for the Texans for the things they did behind the scenes. And I don't disagree with that. But I'll also look at it and go, football-wise, motherfucker, that is not a better spot to be right now. If you think you can grow a franchise into something special in your own image, it's a great hire. We already start to see some of these dividends pay off this team. They just went and put a 20-point asking on the Jags, who are the team that everyone thought would win the South, that people, even myself, thought was ascending because we like Doug Peterson. I do like Doug Peterson. But I look at this and go, wait a minute. The Texans are already ahead of where they should be. And they're only yeah. going to get better. And I look at this and go, man, I, I said last week there was two teams that weeks 12 through 17, I don't want to play. The Texans and it the ones. Yes. The Texans yeah. already showed And, and honestly, it's, it, of the two, I'm, I, I'm less convinced on the Panthers. I am absolutely convinced about, before these week's games. I was absolutely agreeing with you on Houston. I thought the second half this year, Houston was going to show something that they were going to be unexpected. They were going to be Lions-esque as of last year, if you will, in the second half of the season. I don't think they were going to make the playoffs. They're not going to be a Super Bowl team. But what they are doing right now is ironing out who they're going to be. And in the second half this year, as they gel, this could be a dangerous team. Yeah. The thing I liked about the Panthers, I, I also finish the Texans. Let's finish the Texans. Texans, I think, are going to be dangerous down the road. I also look at their schedule. We were talking before we came on. I said these guys are going to win six of their last eight. They're two and one right now. They, if they can win six of the last eight, when they don't play anybody with the with the anybody that came back from last year with a five hundred or better record, except for the Jags. They're playing in division for most of that last eight games. They go in six out of eight of those. 
They pick up two more wins from here. They're a playoff team. Ten wins is in the playoffs. I have them close. I have them close. And I know you did the whole thing when you picked the whole season. Now, I did it. I really didn't pay that close attention to it. So I'm not going to say I I don't feel as strongly about how the outcome looked um, as you do. Um, But I look at those Texans and I go, man, weeks 12 through 17, I want no piece of them. Now, the really good teams in the league, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Eagles, the 49ers, the Bengals. I will put the Bengals back up there now. The teams that are expected to be there, none of them played the Texans in those last few weeks. The, they, the, the Jags do. The Jags have got them twice. They and, well, they're in the, the same division. They and we said – Jags and Titans. Yeah, that was the thing I said. I said, the thing is, I don't want to be the team that has to play them because they're the team that can bite you in the ass and all of a sudden you're out of the playoffs. And they're the team, the Texans are, that could knock the Jags and the Titans out of the playoffs. And you might see a team run the table, go six and two through the last eight, and all of a sudden the Houston Texans are in the playoffs as the winners of the South. And I'm not saying they run the table in the playoffs. Far from it. But they don't play. Again, those top echelon teams, they don't have any of those teams on their schedule moving forward. Let me get that pulled up. You look at it and you go, hey. I, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at it now. The way can... I have it, I have the Jags getting in, but I have the Titans missing because of the Texans. Yeah. And now what the, the schedule looks a little easier right now for the Texans because that Jets game they have in December doesn't have Aaron Rodgers. True. True. You know, it, it, Jags look like an easier game. Mark, but we don't know who. Yeah. We, we have, we're, we only see the Jets for three weeks without Aaron yeah. Rodgers. We yeah. don't know who the Jets are going to be in week 10 to 12. Yeah. We, and then we, the next, the next three weeks, we'll see if the Texans are good. We're going to know if the Texans are good in three weeks. Their next three games are the Steelers. Oh, yeah. At Atlanta and New Orleans. And look, it's just as much the possibility of them going three and O there is just as likely. It's I think more so likely than them going O and three. I agree. It right now I'm looking at that what they've done so far and what they have in the next three and four weeks, mm-hmm. they're growing games. They may not win them. But these are games I ex- I see them improving week over week as a team heading to the midseason. Yeah. I don't know who a lot of teams are right now. I'll say this. I don't know. But other than we know the Eagles are real good. We know the Dolphins are real good. The Chiefs are excellent. And the Bills are excellent. We know those four teams. And, and the 49ers. And the 49ers are really good. You just Those don't want to say it. Well, no, I just, they, they, they actually blank my mind because I have the Eagles better than them. But those five, we know those five teams are really fucking good. We think yeah. Dallas is one of those teams. We did a week ago. At least I did. And I think they I, can I'd be. say right, on, right behind them is like Dallas, yeah. Seattle. Dallas and Seattle, I think, are in there. Um, and then on the AFC side, we still don't know where the Ravens and the Bengals are. And I, I think that 
We know the Dolphins are good. We know the Bills are good. I, I don't know where everybody else is going to spot in there yet. We're going to know more in three or four weeks. But what we will know yes. in three or four weeks, one of those teams is the Texans. Again, I don't think of the team that goes all yeah. 10-7 and then goes and wins two games in the playoffs. I don't think that at all. Now, I do think they can go 10-7 and and they lose in round one because their quality of play, the, the teams are playing to be a lot better. You know, they have to go in there and play, some, to play a two-seed Buffalo in Buffalo. That's going to be tough. Yeah. You know, in, <laughs> in January. You know, that's, you know, so I'm not saying this is Houston, Texas, Super Bowl champs. But I don't know what the line is right now on DraftKings, but I might think about betting over on Texas right now. The other one I think is really good. I mentioned them last week, and they did lose this week, and that's the Panthers. Um, you're not as convinced like you were saying about the Panthers. I am. But they played the Seahawks really tough this week. What I like on the Panthers is Bryce Young gets better every week, and his numbers are not going to be drastically better every week. It's how he plays the position. You give them a thing like Adam Thielen out there, they're going to run the ball a little more. Their defense will get a little better. Now, they've got a tough road schedule-wise coming up. They got the Vikings this week. They, uh, but then they got to go to uh, Detroit, to Miami. At Miami. Then you got the Panthers and the Texans. They get a That's Colts a game Panthers. I'm looking forward to. Yeah. That's a game I'm looking forward to. Yeah, that'll be the game. And then you got a couple of the Colts. Again, I'm not convinced the Colts are really, really good. I like what I've seen so far. They're going to get Anthony Richardson back in a couple weeks. And I I really like that player a lot. We'll see what happens. I'm just worried they're going to ruin that kid. Um, The Bears are bad. They're on the schedule for the Panthers. And then later on in the season, you've got the Cowboys. You've got the Packers at Jacksonville. There's a couple of trap games there. So I don't see the Panthers 10 and 7 South champs. I don't know. I just don't see that because I think there's a couple of losses baked in there with at Detroit, at, at Miami. I mean, look, even if the Panthers come out and beat the Vikings by 30 this week, in two weeks, they're going to be one and five. I mean, that's it's going to be too yeah, difficult. To agreed. Exactly. And that's how I, that's kind of how I see it. Like, you know, there are certain games they yeah. just aren't ready to fight. Yeah. They're not ready to beat the Dolphins. Yeah. But what they're going to have a tough time yeah. with the Lions, the Vikings, yeah. the Packers. But some of those other games, I don't think they're, they're ready to really even, I think they're ready to be competitive by the time it happens. Like the, when they have to play Tennessee, I think they will be competitive, but they're not ready to beat them either. Yeah. There's other, those other, those next tier games down. Where it's like the Bucks, the Saints, the Titans, Colts. I think they're fifty-fifty games. They could yeah. win, they could lose. Yeah, but that's I don't have them. I don't have them as think... that team. Unlike the Houston Texans, I don't think in the second half of the season they're as intimidating a team as what the what what I think Houston will be. Yeah, in the I, I can agree with that. But what I do think is the Panthers might be good enough in early December to go to New Orleans beat the Saints. They might be good be, enough yeah, the week yeah, after that at home against the Falcons. They're not going to beat the Packers. Well, they might. I mean, you never know. But again, yeah, the Jags are we'll going. Be, then they got to put the Jags second, last second to last week, six, week 16. <laughs> and it's like, 
Who are the Jags? The Jags could be having to play that Panthers team in week 16 to hang on to a, a playoff spot knowing the Texans are coming for them. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about the Panthers and the Texans. It's like they're going to beat somebody in those last, that last month that's going to totally fuck up their season the way the Lions did the Packers last year. Yes. Yeah, they, I could see that. I could see that. And that's what I see the Panthers as being. Plus, I'll say this. The Panthers might have the best quarterback right now in their division. In the division. In the division. In the division. I think they'll be, I'll say it like this. I think at the end of this season, there'll be no doubt they have the best quarterback in the division. I won't disagree with you. I will let time judge. I'll let time be the judge. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I'll let time be. I'm not going to argue that, yeah. Let, let and frankly, there. he should be. He's the number one pick in the draft. And frankly, yeah. he should be the best quarterback in your division at the end of his rookie season. I mean, it's yeah. So that that was interesting to me. Um, I'll go back and I look at a couple things here. And again, I I don't put a lot of credence in standings right now, just because so many teams are one game apart. I mean, we've only got a couple 3-0 teams. The Dolphins are 3-0. The only team in the AFC is 3-0. The Eagles and the 49ers are the only two teams left in the NFC that are 3-0. Um, again, that whole parity thing in the NFC, we only got three 0-3 teams. The Vikings, the Bears, the Panthers. <laughs> I think there's one of those that look like the other. One of those is not like the other, and that's the Panthers. The Bears are bad. I mean, they're just bad, bad. Let me ask you this question. Did you watch the, any of the Chiefs-Bears game? I watched a little bit of it. Okay. Uh, in fairness, you know, it, it, I watched a little bit of it. it, it I just I, – I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't watch much. Okay. Um, the Bears in are fairness, bad. I wasn't home. Okay. I wasn't home to watch it. And, quite frankly, and, I, and I didn't hear about Taylor until after the fact. Okay. Yeah, so I, so I again, I got stuck. It in wasn't a marquee game. game. Like I, nothing, yeah. nothing was going to happen there. That's a, if the Bears had won that game, I'd have kicked myself. Yeah. But if you well, had asked me to put a thousand dollars, that would not have happened. No. I would have put that money down in a heartbeat. Yeah, um, the Bears are bad, and they are. Justin Fields looks like he's regressed. They're going to have to figure out what to do there, and I don't know that there's an answer more than. Justin Fields has got to go at this point. I don't I think we, Justin Fields really is, is now been in the league long enough to know that this is not where he wants to be to have success. Yeah. It's not that he didn't want to be a bear, is that as a bear, he's not going to have success on this team. It's gonna take a change of location for him. It's gonna take a whole change of scenery for Justin Fields to have any to have any success from here. Um they're not you know, maybe maybe he's the guy that goes to New Orleans next year. I don't know yet. I, I, I get rid of Derek Carr first. Get rid of Derek <laughs> Carr, and we got to get rid of Dennis Allen. He, Dennis Allen's got to go too. And don't worry, that's all going to happen. Dennis Allen's is it not in his own grave already. It, it let's let me throw this out there as a, as a hypothetical. Let's say at the end of the year, let's say 
Derek Carr, he pulls an Andrew Luck, says, you know, my arm, my shoulder and all his injuries, and I'm not, you know, I'm in my early 30s. It's not worth it to me to keep going. I'm going to retire. And they get Justin Fields. Is that enough for – even though Dennis Allen is there, is that enough? No, De- Dennis Allen has to go. Dennis, Dennis Allen, Allen has to go. Has okay, to so go. it has to be the now, two. I don't – Okay. look, if Aaron Rodgers was there, Dennis Allen still has to go. Okay? Gotcha. I mean, okay. It, Dennis okay. Allen has to go. Yeah, he's got to go, he said in the Sopranos. <laughs> um, the <laughs> other – so we got these – Four zero and three teams. We talked about. I, I like the pick. They're not bad. Well, they're a playoff team. But they're 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 improving. The other we talked about the Bears. The Bears are bad. We know the Bears are bad now. We know the Broncos are bad, and we've already discussed. What we think it's going on with the Broncos. Oh yeah. The Minnesota Vikings are zero and three. And I look at this, and first of all, I'm not surprised. I. I they're not an extremely talented team. They have a they have one of the best five playmakers in the league, Justin Jefferson. I mean, he's fucking incredible. To me, he's the best. Oh, he's, he's, he's a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's Justin a, Jefferson he is a premier wide receiver. He is to me, he is the best wide receiver in the league. I if I had a draft receivers, he'd be the first one I'd take. Which is a big thing. I'd be taking him over Chase and over Tyreek Hill. But I would take Justin Jefferson first. I mean, Justin Jefferson to me is incredible. But they got the guy that, I mean, I think Kirk Cousins is in the same boat with Derek Carr. I really do. Every time that guy casts a check, he's stealing money. I think it's time these Vikings. <laughs> every, oh, every time that man casts a check, he is stolen money. Every time. Every single time. You like that? Or fuck that guy. I'm going to slap him in his face, too. Um, it keeps getting rumored out there, and I think that, like, Jets fans are trying to get it, like, to become, like, a reality. At some point, are the Vikings going to just say, look, Kirk Cousins is not coming back next year. He's a free agent. They don't want him back next year. you got to trade him at some point, right? Like, this Jets, the Jets are so bad, they're going to need Kirk Cousins to be of any shot. Do they think the rumors are there for that to happen this year to the Jets? The question becomes then what are the Vikings? And in that in that well, no, no, they're talking about trading him pre trade deadline, not after the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're talking about doing it now. So who does who do who do you put who does who the Vikings get as a quarterback today? That's a good question. Because here's the thing. Because they just did this, they just got Acres this week. So why go get Acres when you're not looking to trade? If you're if you're going to trade Kirk Cousins, who are you going to put at quarterback when you just got Acres to help? But Cam Acres is not the Cam Acres not the difference you. No, he's not. He's not everything, but they needed something. They needed something at running back because you, I mean, freaking yeah. Kirk Cousins throwing 400 yards. He yeah. shouldn't have to throw 400 yards. Yeah. And yes, that's mostly going to Justin Jefferson, and they're still losing. Yeah. These one score games. Yeah. Nick Mullins the issue is currently the, there is getting over the hump. Yeah. If Nick Mullins is currently the quarterback. getting a Cam Akers, what do you do? Yeah. Number two quarterback for the Vikings is Nick Mullins. I, I, that's a great question. The question becomes who becomes your starting quarterback? And 
I think if you're the Vikings, they got the Panthers this week, the Chiefs next week. So they'll be at least, if they win this week, they'll be one and four after that. Um, they still got a hell of a schedule ahead of them. Um, yeah, they don't have an easy one. Look, it, it's it's time. If you can get someone to take Kirk Cousins off your hands. Now, I'll say this. The guy that I liked as their backup the last two seasons, they let him go this past offseason, was Kellen Mond. And I really liked Kellen Mond. And I was like, I don't think he was going to be a franchise guy, but, you know, he was the guy that could have filled you in the rest of the season. And you go to the draft, you know. They're going to have to figure that out and figure out who becomes the quarterback of this team and then get you to the next season. I don't know. Do you play kind of a ring around the quarterback? And if you can get someone to take Kirk Cousins off your hands, do the Vikings then call and see if they can get Jameis Winston from New Orleans when Derek Carr does come back? I mean, that's – I mean, just give me somebody that's not going to be under contract next season. I don't have to pay much to. I don't care if we go 2-15. and Let's get in this draft to go get one of these two or three quarterbacks. Hell, if you're good enough, if you're if you're if you can lose bad enough, you might get to number one. I would take both blankets. If if it, they're doing that, then you, if you're if you're going to go that route, then you trade Kirk Cousins for something, points. right? Just do yeah, it for a fifth round because. Pick. But if you're, I mean, if you're doing that, you're practically cleaning house. If you're going to do that, you might as well trade Justin Jefferson for no. a bounty. No, that's the thing, is to think of it. You could extend Justin Jefferson and would not have Kirk Cousins or any quarterback on your cap. You can give Justin Jefferson the biggest fucking wide receiver contract of all time. Give him that. Keep his ass happy with money. Say, look, you get your ass kicked the rest of this season. We're sorry. This is what's going to happen. And we're going to try to get over here, and we're going to try to move our asses into number one. And if we can get to number one, think of it then. Now, look, I'm, if my boy Barry Kingery is listening okay, to me, okay, if you're listening but to But it means you I have to get number, get number one. It becomes Minnesota must tank then. Yes. They, it can't, it's not like that we mm-hmm. might tank. They must tank, and they have to make that decision soon. As soon as they lose to the Chiefs, and they're 1-4, and four, or 0-5, oh they lose to the Panthers this weekend. If you lose to the Panthers, and you know you're going to lose to the Chiefs, Trey Kirk Cousins. You're going to lose to the 49ers, and you have a 50-50 against the Packers. Yeah, you might beat the Bears, but who knows? You're probably going to lose to the 49ers and the Packers. So you're sitting there. If you lose to the Panthers this week, what? Five, six, seven. You're one in seven at best if you beat the Bears. You get or three more weeks out. Two you could be two, really bad right could be two and nine. When you beat the Broncos, that Bronco game is a big game because that might be who goes and gets who gets the number one pick between the Vikings and the Broncos. <laughs> um, well, you won't be the loser in that game, not the winner in that game. Um, but no, the Vikings, if you could do it, man, play Nick Mullins at fucking quarterback, sign Justin Jefferson to a fucking eight year extension for $250 million. And say, you're going to get your ass kicked this season, kid. And we're sorry, but we're going to pay you a shitload of money to do it. 
and let's just get to the offseason. Let's get Caleb Williams in this motherfucker. Because if you're Caleb Williams and you've got Justin Jefferson in your offense, holy shit. That's going to be a good offense immediately. If they do it right, they get they get Caleb Williams, and then whatever's left over, they got to bolster their defense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the – exactly. They'll get defensive players. I've already that's got, you, you got go. your weapon, yeah. and I got the best quarterback. Look, Caleb Williams is different. This guy – Everyone's talking about. It. Everyone's he's, talking about it. I'm not going to say anything best, wrong. He's the best prospect since Andrew Luck. And Andrew Luck had it got ruined by the Colts. The Andrew Luck would be would be the best quarterback in the league right now. Hey, look at it. If Andrew Luck doesn't get hurt, before. look at it. Look at this. If Andrew Luck doesn't get hurt the way he did at the beginning of his career, Pat Mahomes doesn't have a doesn't have a Patrick Mahomes does not have a, 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 a Super Bowl championship. Miami has two, maybe three. He's he'll be the best. He'd be the best player in the league if the if the Colts didn't fuck up his body the way they did. He's the best player in the NFL right now. He's a Hall of Fame. He's talked about with Manning and Breeze and Brady. He's in that class. Williams in the spot goes with those guys. Possible, I'm, I'm, unlikely. I'm holding out hope versus hope, baby. You know my hope here. I hope <laughs> the Saints are done winning. I want the Saints to be done winning. I was I was texting with Ellen. Edub and I were texting last week. She goes, your Saints just won. I said, they're not my Saints right now. They'll be my Saints in the future. The Saints have got two wins, just two more than they should have right now. If the Saints can just not blow this, and 14 in a row losses right here, baby. Just 14 in a row. Just plow through the losses here. not going to happen. Two and 15 happen. New Orleans. We get Caleb Williams. Derek Carr is gone. Dennis, you wouldn't trust Dennis Allen. You can't trust Dennis Allen with a, with a, with a brand new car like that. You wouldn't give an 18-year-old kid not. a Ferrari, and you ain't, giving Dennis, Derek, you ain't giving Dennis Allen that guy. Get them all out the paint. Guys, I'm coming to save the day. 14 in a row. Let's go. Come on, New Orleans. 14 in a row. You know, that We talk about these scenarios. We know I'm rooting the for the Bucs this week. I'm, I'm rooting for the Bucs. <laughs> but Baker's awful. He is. You know what, though? The Saints are going to win that game. You know why, right? You know why the Saints are going to beat the Bucs this week? Because wow. Jameis is going to ball. Jameis is going to ball out this week oh. against his former team. The only reason he's going to ball gonna is it's ball out with his former team. He's going to do it. The only reason, yeah. if, if we're any other team, he would fold like a cheap suit. Hey, it's I only because it's Tampa hey, that he might. Hey, I, I, I watched every play of that game against the Packers. The Saints offense looked a lot better with Jameis Winston, the quarterback. A lot better. They weren't yeah, winning that game you know what, because of Derek Carr. They were winning that game because that fucking defense is good. Yeah, and the defense Jameis, is good. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The defense and Jameis, is good. And Jameis rolled them down the field at the end of the game, and they missed the field goal. Derek Carr wouldn't have rolled have, their asses down that we field. We have 
seen the Jameis show before, and Jameis is – how can I say this? I say he's a clipboard quarterback for a reason. He's good for a few games, but not for a whole season. He can't play a whole season. But he's not a franchise – He regresses. He's not the a franchise – The more he plays, the more he regresses. Look, he's not a franchise quarterback. But he when will, your other playing this week, he will look on. really good. Playing this week, I agree, he will look really good. Playing okay. next week, he'll look really good. If he plays four or five games, by the by that fifth game, he starts looking like thirty for thirty again. Yeah. Does it he's done it before. And you will not convince me otherwise. Well, I I, I don't think they're very good on offense at all. I think that the the quarterback is a bad thing. That offense is better with Jameis Winston than it is with Derek Carr. Period, point blank. And right. the funny thing is, is if you're on the Coach Bono's Twitter, he, and I made a couple of tweets during that game, the Houdat Nation was starting to catch up to me and go, maybe this motherfucker is right. So I'm going to go ahead and get <laughs> on my soapbox, and I'm going to say this. I said earlier I was going to get here. I'm going to get there now. I warned all you motherfuckers. Now, I'm not talking about you, Uncle Rico. I'm talking about all you motherfuckers, all my fellow Houdat Nation fans. Look, proud member. I go back to the days of, of look, Bobby Abair and, and the Dome Patrol. And look, Archie Manning was my hero as a kid. But what I'm telling you, I warned everybody. Warned them. I said, getting Derek Carr is the biggest mistake because he's not a good quarterback. He is not going to make your offense any better. He doesn't throw the football well. He doesn't read, read, read defense as well. He has a terrible arm. He gets hurt in that game. And all of a sudden, Jameis Winston comes in. And I'm not saying Jameis Winston came in and all of a sudden the offense was sunshines and rainbows. It clearly wasn't. But Jameis Winston came into the game and they drove right down the motherfucking field in the fourth quarter after giving up a 17-point lead. It's 18-17, and Jameis said, let's go, boys. And he had no doubt they were going down there and scoring. And he put him in position to kick a 45-yard field goal to win the game. And the motherfucker missed the field goal. There was no doubt in his mind they were going down there and scoring. And they did. It's Mr. Phil. They don't have a quarterback. Justin? You cannot give a quarterback Michael Thomas and Chris Olave. These are two really good, really good wide receivers. Yeah. You cannot give them these two weapons. And get the results that Derek Carr has given you. They beat the Titans 16-15. Because Derek Carr sucks. They should have won that game by 10. The Panthers. They beat the Panthers 20-17. They won the first two games by four points. And the reason that they beat that the Titans beat them, that they beat the Titans week one, is because the Titans decided they didn't want they didn't want to kick a field goal late in the game when they should have. Then they blow a 17-point lead in the fourth quarter. Now, you know this already. Listeners don't know this yet. But I text you at halftime of the game a picture, a photo from our friends at DraftKings 
at halftime of the game, it was 10 nothing New Orleans. And I placed a $100 bet. Do you care to tell everybody what I placed that bet on? No, no, no. I don't want me to tell. Them. I'm going to take your thunder. Okay. Tell them, tell them all. At halftime, I took the Packers on the money line. I didn't take them plus 10 and a half. I took them on the money line. At plus 630. And won the bet because the Packers won the game. Not because the Packers are great. Jordan Love played really well in the fourth quarter. But because I knew the Saints were going to blow it. I knew this was not a good football team right now. They're not well coached. They don't have a great quarterback. And Derek Carr plays worth a damn in the third quarter they win that game. But I knew Derek Carr wasn't going to play well. I knew they were going to lose that game. I watched the game. Look, it's not the stats. It's not the numbers. It's how you play on the field. He's not a good quarterback. And there was plenty of things around. And they get Alvin Kamara back this week. Yes, they do. That is a big one. And they That's get Alvin Kamara one. back. And they're gonna they'll they'll do something this week against the Bucks because Jameis will be Jameis is gonna play good enough. He's gonna play hard. He wants that job. He also wants to beat the Bucks, his old team. Against Kamara, look, they're going to be better. But what's going to happen is at some point Derek Carr's shoulder is going to feel better or he's going to feel threatened by Jameis out there and he's going to come back and they're going to go in a fucking tank when he does. Watch the offense when Jameis Winston's on the field and watch the offense when Derek Carr's in the field. It's a whole different animal. Look, I'm not saying that I think Jameis Winston's a great, great quarterback. Far from it. He's an average NFL quarterback. Derek Carr is a below average NFL quarterback who is in his 10th year of his career, who has regressed each of the last four to the point that the Raiders didn't want him as a starting quarterback this year. To the point where the Raiders benched him at the end of last season. That wasn't because of a contract. That wasn't because of anything else. It was because they didn't believe in him. Agreed. This was the reason I warned everybody in February. I said, if the if the Saints sign Derek Carr, I'm gone. It's because I know how bad a quarterback he is. They thought they were they thought they were putting a band-aid, and they thought this guy was good enough if you put the pieces around him. He had pieces over there. And the excuse has always been, well, he's had this many coaches. That's a that's a fact, that's a fallacy. It's a fallacy that he had four coaches in nine years. He had four coaches in nine years. That's not too too incredibly hard in the NFL. Derek Carr is not a good quarterback. And he shouldn't be the quarterback of New Orleans Saints. Or really, he should be the quarterback of any team in the NFL at this point. He might retire. He might retire. There's no chance. Coming back from AC, he might retire. I don't don't think he – it's a slim chance. He might. He might. Well, the thing is that if he's got him on the hook for the money, why retire? 
I mean, that's the thing. He gonna collect the money. That's true. So yeah. the only way you get rid of him now, the, the, the I went over the cap and looked it up. Look, the Saints can get out of that contract. Let me pull this up. They this can is get probably out. a good game to bet because I think the Saints, the Saints are minus three, and I think they'll easily cover that. I, I the, the my gut feeling is yes, they'll cover that spread um, because I just think Baker's even worse. And that Bucks team is not a talented team. Well, uh, it's, it's more that I, I believe in the Saints' defense. The Saints' whole. defense is excellent. I mean, it is really yeah, excellent. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And that's the I shame think it's of more the, it's It's more the Saints' defense, I think, is the difference maker there to cover easily. Yeah. Okay. I got to pull it up here. If Derek Carr is cut at the end of the season, before March 17th, at that point, his roster bonus becomes guaranteed, and that's a huge number. The Saints take a $17 million salary cap hit. And they don't have him. They end up, they get out of $52 million of his contract. They take a $17 million cap hit, which is better than the $35 million cap hit you have of keeping him on your roster. So do you pay Derek Carr? Do you, you don't pay him the money. He always doesn't get it. He gets, he already got the bonus. Take the $17 million cap hit and just let him go before March 17th. I said the same thing about Trey Lance. Yeah. At some point when you've made it, when you know you need to move on, you bite the bullet and you move on. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what anyone can look at that guy and the way he plays now and think he's a good quarterback. Like, I don't like Kirk Cousins. I don't think I've made the joke for years. Every time he casts a paycheck, he's still in money. But Kirk Cousins is not embarrassingly bad. He'll find the open receiver. When they had both Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, he was actually kind of good because he had guys to throw the ball to. You know, it, it helps that you don't. Yeah. The Saints kind of have that with Olave and Michael Thomas, get Kamara. There are some pieces around this guy. And he still sucks. I mean, he's just bad. I was not wrong in February. I'm, we're in September, and I have been proven correct already. So that's where we're at on that. So I, they may win this week. I kind of hope they lose. But I want them to lose, but I want them to lose like 10-7. Like I want Baker to throw three interceptions as well. <laughs> you want the defense to look good. I want the defense that's, to that's look great. Want. I want, want both defenses to look to good. I want both teams to fall the fuck out. Like, you know, it's, you know, 10-7 with both the, touchdowns and defensive touchdowns. These to that, this game, along with it's not just this game, but there is – this is one of those games I am keeping an eye on this week. There's a number of really good games I'm keeping an eye on this week. But this is one for that very reason. It, it really is that very reason. It's a divisional game. It's kind of a, you know, it's a, there's that Winston-Tampa Bay connection. 
And there is that, you know, what's going to happen with New Orleans this year? Because they're a wild card for me. But if I'm looking down the schedule this week, this is one of those games. Yeah. But there's a well, few others, too. There's, there's one game in particular this week. I think you're already looking at it. You look at this week's schedule. There's one game that far and away exceeds what every other game is going to be this week. Noon Central Time, Miami at Buffalo. It's on. Miami's played better. Oh, I, they didn't like look good week one. First. Yeah, I'm going. I, I'm doing it in order because that is the marquee. That's it. But I, I'm not even. I'm not looking past Thursday. We talked last year about how Prime Video's games were so crap. They, all the games they had yeah. were shit. They got better games. That is not the case this year. I said it last year. Yeah. Watch this year that yeah. Prime's game, the Thursday night games are going to be good. And yeah. this is a good They one. did. They purposefully gave Amazon better games this year. Uh, yeah, Thursday night, oh, yeah. Detroit at Green Bay. What's spreading that game? You seen that yet? I haven't looked. I haven't seen it yet, but I imagine it's probably Detroit minus three, something like that. I have well, not you know what I'll do? I will pull up while we talk about this game because – this game is going to be amazing because we're going to see – you look at this and you go, well, we've got – Green Bay again makes the big comeback this past week against the Saints. Jordan Love did not look real good for three for three quarters. He looked like he was hurried in a lot of his throws, didn't look fantastic at all. Fourth quarter, it couldn't have gone better for him. Um, he looked incredible. But then – Detroit's back. Detroit runs the football. Yeah. Um, Detroit's a one and a half point favorite in the game at Green Bay. One and a half. They're both yeah. two and one. It is in Green Bay. For me, this is an important game for Detroit in the division. They need this win. Green Bay. This is one of those litmus test games. They really. I mean, you got Bears, Falcons, Saints. They're two and one. They lost to the Falcons two weeks ago. Uh, two weeks ago. This is a litmus test game for Green Bay. You get to know you're, you're not playing a weaker team like you have. This is a strong Lions team that is going to gauge where you are at this point in the season with Jordan Love and this Green Bay Packers team. I love this matchup. I am yeah. very excited to watch it. Yeah, I look at this and I go, well, let's see where we're at. I, this is a great game. It's huge in the division. And it's week four. I mean, that's just crazy that week four we have a huge division game like this. Because you can't afford losses yeah. in the division, and especially with these two teams. Um, this is almost like that litmus test. You know, is Jordan Love ready to be the guy? Are the Lions really ready to be in that argument with the top-tier teams? Go to Green yeah. Bay and win, which they did last year at the end of the season. They spoiled it for the, the Packers last year. You go to Green Bay and you win this game. Um, it's going to make you look like maybe you should be talked about with the 49ers and the Eagles and those top teams. I don't think they're quite with those two teams yet. Um, but I do like a lot of what I see with the Lions. You know I'm a big Lions guy. This time. I love Dan Campbell, what they're doing there. So going to be interesting uh, to see what happens there. That's a big game. That's Thursday night. The other game, again, we're talking about on Sunday, the early game, Miami-Buffalo. 
it, it's a shame that game is at noon, first off. Um, Great. That should be Monday that night. Well, it's because the Sunday night game is the Chiefs at the Jets, which we thought was going to be Mahomes and Rodgers. Yeah. They yeah. yeah. They thought that would be Mahomes, which would have been Marquis. But now you've got Miami, who has looked better than everybody for three weeks, going to Buffalo. Buffalo thinks they're a better team than the Dolphins. And the Dolphins think they're better than, than Buffalo. There'll be a lot of points scored this game, and it's going to be a shootout. But in yeah, the end, I am, I am. The Dolphins can score points. The Dolphins can run the ball. That's the difference. The Dolphins can run the ball. So if they do get a lead, if you can get a lead and you can run the football, you can shorten the game. Now, the interesting yes. thing is they have this game in week four at in Buffalo. Yeah. They play this game in week 18 in, Miami. in Detroit. In Miami. Or in Miami. I'm sorry, in Miami, not Detroit. Yeah, the others did a game. In Miami, so you're getting you're getting an early game in a season like this, and you know there's a the last week of the season is going to look like this. How different, you know? I'm looking at this now and saying, how different would this game be in 13 weeks? Yeah, January first week of January. It, it's almost that, this is huge. It's almost like it lines up good for the for the Dolphins as well because you go to Buffalo early in the season. You don't it's have to so wear much snow. And then you get the cold weather team coming down to the hottest weather in January. Yeah. And that's going – it's always tough to go to Miami late in the season, and it's always tough to go to Buffalo late in the season. Yeah. So to me, for the Dolphins, like it nullifies a little bit of it. The Dolphins go up there early, and then make them come back down late. So I think that kind of helps the Dolphins later in the season as well. That that's going to be the game to watch this week. I, I let me see what we got here on this game. Um, Buffalo's a three point favorite at home, which. They doesn't surprise me because they that's look a, good. They look good it, last, well, last two weeks. They've looked good. They usually say the thing is that the three point, if you have two even match teams in the NFL, the home team gets the three points. So you look at this is the, the bookies are saying if this game were in Miami today, they'd be three point favorite. This is the two yeah. evenly matched teams. Yes. So, um, It'll be interesting. So the twelve o'clock games, we got the one, we got the eight thirty game, we got the the England game, the Wembley Stadium game, which of course is Jacksonville because it's Jacksonville every year uh, for the first one of those. They, they do they do that on purpose. Yeah, you do know why that, that is, right? I don't know why it's always Jacksonville, it, but doesn't Jacksonville have two brick games back to back? They have. They play two in in there. They're always willing to give up. It's because the owners of the Jaguars also own a soccer yeah. team and they are you can't right. it's, it's it's the Khan family it's Shad Khan and Tony Khan and yeah and this is one of those where it's rough on Jacksonville because they got to fly and play they're playing Atlanta which is the kind of the setup that, you know they should they should win that game 
but they are they are staying in the UK yes. in week five because they had the the seven thirty game against Buffalo yeah. in the UK the following yeah. week in week five. So they Jacksonville gets a little one up on Buffalo. We'll see what comes out of the Miami game with Buffalo, but then Jacksonville is acclimated. They're in the time zone. They're set for that Buffalo game to follow. Yeah, coming off of them playing Miami. Um, yeah. It's the 8.30 game. It's on ESPN Plus. So if you have any kind of ESPN subscription, you can you can lo- you can can get the game with streaming. Um, at least not on, like, they, they had a couple yeah. of things that were like on Yahoo a couple of years ago and, you know, try to do them on Amazon, but they're not doing them on Amazon anymore. So um, that was ESPN Plus. Those and the interesting games, thing on that, it's on ESPN Plus this week, or this coming week, week five, it's only on NFL Net, not on ESPN Plus. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see that now. That's interesting. NFL Network, huh? Oh. Yeah, I don't get NFL Network, so that's interesting. I have Hulu. Me neither. Um, okay, so then we got the rest of the noon games real quick. I'm going to run these quick. We got Pittsburgh and Houston, which I think is a competitive game. We've got Minnesota, Carolina. We talked about that at length already. The Eagles at home against against Washington. The Commanders again. I I think they'll be a little better near the end of the season, but they don't have enough way enough firepower to be with the Eagles. Tampa at New Orleans. Yeah, we already talked about Cincy at Tennessee. The Bengals played a lot better Monday night. Uh, defense looked fantastic for the Bengals, um, and. Zach Taylor was clearly listening to the Coach Bono's podcast last week. If you're listening again, Coach, this week you did a good job of moving Jamar Chase around the formations like <laughs> I told you to do. That's all they did differently. They moved Jamar Chase. They didn't line him up wide right. They moved him around. They found the matchups. Burrow got him involved. They win the game. Uh, Burrow is not right by any stretch of the imagination. If you watch the game Monday night, he is clearly still in a chill of pain. Um, That poor guy is, he looks like he's, he, he looks like Brady did a couple of those years when he was having leg issues and it was just take a step, get the ball out of your hands. Um, Marino after Marino had the Achilles tear. It was get the ball out of your hands as fast as humanly possible. He finally threw a ball more than 15 yards this week though. Yes, he did. Yes, he, he did. The, the scrambling and the rollouts, that's not happening. He's sitting in the pocket for a couple weeks here. They got to run the ball. They got to. Uh, Mixon looked a little better in it's the running game this week. There are times where he, like, there was a big fourth down play late in the game where it's like he was about to jump out to the left and he realized, oh shit, I only need one and a half yards. Get my ass in there and get that yard. Because there was a couple of times where he jumped out, and it was like, no, just take what you can get. So take what you can get in the run game. Uh, Baltimore at Cleveland. I I think Baltimore here, I like Baltimore or Cleveland. And then they got the game that there are no winners because everyone's a loser in this game. Denver at Chicago. I don't care to watch it, but I consider this a marquee because you got two 0-3. Somebody's going to get a win. Somebody's going to get a win. Somebody's going to get Somebody. a win. Who are you like in this game? Honestly, I, I like Denver. I really do. And it's for, for a simple reason, because they're only dysfunctional on one side of the ball right now, where the Bears are dysfunctional kind of everywhere. 
Denver's a three-point favorite at Chicago. I wouldn't bet this game to save my life. No one's going to watch that game. No one is watching that game. Well, there will be a ton of shows. It's important. It's it's important because they are two 0-3 teams. Yeah. Talk about Miami and Buffalo, the the marquee game of the week now. Uh, Three o'clock games, we got Vegas at the Rams. Again, another one of those. Who fucking cares? This game is interesting to me. New England going to Dallas. Yeah, you got the Dallas team that we think is really good. New England, I think, is better than people think. But if it comes down to who can coach in the second half, can New England go into Dallas and win? I believe they can. The question is, will it come down to coaching in the second half? I don't know. If Dallas comes out early and, and strong, it's theirs to lose. I agree. If they if if New England plays defense early and holds them, it's New England's advantage in the second yeah. half. Yeah, I think that the thing that the what the Patriots want to do to you is they want to bludgeon you to where you cannot make big plays on them. They want to muddy up a game. You know, it's the old adage of if I know I'm not as talented as you, I mean I've been this as a coach before too. You've seen it as a as a as a fan many times. If I know my team is not as good as you, I'm going to need a couple of bounces to go my way. Well, how do I do that? I do that by just muddying up this game as much as I can. Make this be an in-the-trenches slugfest. You watch the Patriots are going to double-team C.D. Lamb at every chance they get. They're going to blitz and blitz and blitz and hit Dak as hard as they can as many times as they can, hoping he'll make some mistakes. So if you're the Cowboys, I'm Dallas. My game plan is run the ball. I want to get, I want to run counter. I want to run counter. I want to get double teams at the point of impact because if I can get a three foot window and get Pollard in some space in the run game, I can now bludgeon you back. I can get first downs and keep the ball moving. Keep the ball moving. Because then make the Patriots come back at you faster than they're going to be comfortable playing. So that's that's where I am about I th- Dallas. I think I think the key to this game is going to be. I give this game to Dallas, and this is why because I think the game comes down to whose defense plays better against the other's offense, and I think Dallas's defense is still the superior defense. Now, I agree. The biggest spread of the week. Well, we got fooled on this once. But can they fool us again twice? <laughs> Arizona is the biggest spread of the week. They're 14-point dogs at the 49ers. Now, look, the 49ers have already covered one big spread. They did it this past week. I didn't think they were Thursday uh-huh. night. I thought that was even closer than it was. Um, well, I don't see how the Arizona's did two touchdowns of the 49ers, though. I really don't. It would take it would take an effort like they're just not capable of to be within two two touchdowns. Yeah, I agree. I agree. If I'm the 49ers, I look at what Arizona did last week and said, "Oh, we can't look past them." 
Well, yeah, and but I think the 49ers don't have the same kind of problems either, though. I mean, they're a better they defense. Don't. They don't. I mean, well, I don't think they're a better defense. I think the Cowboys are a better defense. But I do think that what the 49ers can do that the Cowboys refused to do was, all right, we'll just run the ball. I mean, look, I don't understand it. Yeah. And Kyle Shanahan's the mad genius. I get it. When I see their run game sometimes, and I see some of the stuff they do with um, with with um, the left tackle Williams, uh, I mean he might be one of the best four or five of all time. And I just think every time I see somebody that good, I'm thinking, why don't we just run the ball behind him like every play? But <laughs> the thing that's crazy is they run counter the other way, and uh-huh. they let that big motherfucker be the lead blocker. I don't know if you've ever seen it before. Um, I, I pay attention to it because when Trent Williams is out there, they when they run the ball to the right, they're especially effective, even though Trent Williams is the left tackle. And like I mean this because uh-huh. Trent Williams is he's a Hall of Famer, first off. I mean, he's the best left tackle in the NFL. Oh, yeah. He oh, yeah. might be one of the two or three or four best of all time. Like he's in the Anthony Munoz, Larry Allen. I mean, he's in that rarefied air. And somehow they get him to buy in on the idea that he's going to take that open step and he's going to take that big 375-pound body and run it to the right and be the fucking lead blocker. And when he does on counterplays, as two guys who played offensive line before, it's fucking incredible to watch. Because that motherfucker on a counterplay makes room. It doesn't matter who you got there. When he hits a defensive tackle or a defensive end, they go out. And it, that's a simple answer, though. A it's a simple play. answer. Why? It's a simple answer. Why? As a lineman, you resign to having your spot and protecting your spot. So if you're left tackle, you're blocking pass yeah. half the time. When you get to go. And get a few steps, take a couple of yards of momentum and light someone up. God, it feels good. It feels so good. Yeah. You know, and he's not sitting there he's like, they don't know, you know, they might see I'm coming, but they're standing there while I'm coming with momentum. Uh-huh. It feels good. It, you know, when you're pulling to the other side to block, it's all gravy. Yeah. It's all gravy. We both also played in old school beer office, so where you had to pull a lot. We were guards, and we were guards in those offices. So we know how to pull. Pulled a lot. Oh, but you yeah. and I both know how to do that. Um, but that guy, when he does it, is incredible. I, I saw yeah. a play last season. I don't remember the game now, but I have to. Where they bring him out, like they basically everyone from the right guard to left guard blocked to the left. The defensive end is left wide open. The right tackle gets inside. It's going to the linebacker. He kills the linebacker. The DN is just sitting there. The DN thinks somehow he beat this guy, and he's going toward the quarterback. I'm going toward the running back. And then, no, 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 no. Here comes Trent Williams, who not only knocks the defensive end toward the sideline, it knocked the defensive end and the corner to the side. Like the corner yep. was coming, and he knocked both of them sons of bitches backwards. I was right. just like, because they're I, looking, 
they're looking in the backfield. Uh-huh. The, the defensive end has just lost, has lost his tackle. I'm open, and I see the handoff yeah. right in front of me, and yeah, I can the, taste it. The corner's coming down, sees it's run. He's coming down, uh-huh. but they don't see that pull-in tackle. This motherfucker's coming, and he's like a fucking freight train is coming. Yes. And that corner's thinking, okay, if he goes, if 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 the end goes inside, I got the outside. If he goes outside, I'm coming in. And in this case, it was the end stayed in, and the corner was outside, and Trent Williams took them both out. And uh-huh. I, uh huh. Okay, I see what Shanahan's doing now. The thing that's crazy about it is to get him to buy. Now, first off, he's also one of the dirtiest players in the game. I mean, like this motherfucker, he threw a punch in last week's game. He should have been kicked out of that game Thursday night. <laughs> motherfucker should have been kicked out of the game. He got fought. He got there was no sure denying he got that. Fought. I'm sure he, he got threw fought. a punch. Um, I'm sure he got fought. Yeah. Yeah. He should have got kicked out of the game. But anyway, he, um, they get him to buy in and do this. And it's because, like you said, you get the pancake people. But most teams, that's what's good about Kyle Shanahan's play call. And I will give him a lot of credit for this is that you get a player like at the buy-in to do that when normally you have this outstanding left tackle and you say, hey, your job is to keep my quarterback alive. Uh You know, you and I have talked about this. I've said there's four important positions in an NFL team. Most important position is quarterback. Left tackle is second (laughs) because he protects the quarterback. You got to have gotta a protect the quarterback. You got to have a pass rushing defensive end or outside linebacker. You have a pass rusher. You know the the Bosa kids, the Miles Garretts, those guys of the world. Uh, you got to have one of those, and you got to have a corner, a corner who can play cover on everybody. If you have all four of those spots, now again, what the 49ers have done is they figured out. Well, we got the tackle, you got the pass rusher. They got a couple of really good corners. They don't have like the like the top five corners, but they got two really good ones. And then they have a quarterback who is again, I don't think he's one of the best 10 quarterbacks in this league. I don't think he's I'm one not, of the best 15. And I know, but I, but the I thing is, is that let time decide this. And you, and you're right. I do There's, not agree with you. Yeah, and you're right. Time will decide this. And, and I could be wrong, but what I'm saying is that. They decided that even they know that right now he's not going to drop back and be Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, those guys. He's not any of those guys. That's fine. But what they just said, they, they said is, hey, well, they have the one advantage that nobody else has. They're so good everywhere else. They don't have. Look, the, the no. same argument could be made for Tua. The same argument we made for Tua. The only difference is Tua was drafted high. But now Tua has put away a lot of the – because the, the the thing on Tua has always been the injury bug. Yeah. The thing on Tua has always been, well, he gets hurt a lot. And there were certain people who didn't like Tua. They thought he was undersized. They thought he was left-handed. Can't be left-handed quarterback. You know, those kind of things. So you can prove people wrong. And, and maybe Brock Purdy – Shows me that I'm wrong. But again, even they are not 100% convinced that Brock Purdy is one of those top, tippy top guys today. Maybe he turns into that. But if they thought he was, 
they wouldn't be playing their offense when they play their offense. Wouldn't they? Wouldn't they? Because they, they, they would just have they would just have Trent Williams protect us. They would just have Trent Williams protect the left side. They wouldn't worry about running using him in the run game. Instead, they get creative and they run the ball when they run the ball. Nobody else is doing. You, hey, look. you can be creative. This is a, this is the thing that is this is where I, I disagree. This is part of the reason I disagree with you. Is that they hadn't they didn't really have to change their offensive scheme when Purdy stepped. Purdy was ready to go when he stepped in last year. And with that, I would say that where other rookies are not as poised, his numbers are good. His numbers are really good. And he does. And again, just because he hasn't doesn't mean he can't. Just means he doesn't have to right now. Again, I that think that still reason, remains to be seen. I think the reason he doesn't is because they may not believe he can. The, the thing is, the, so when they when they Brock Purdy goes in at, at quarterback last season, who's quarterback for him? You got they had they had uh, okay. two quarterbacks last year: Trey Lance and Trey Lance, who. They were not convinced that Trey Lance was one of those tippy top guys either. So what do you do? You hide him in an offense the way they way they have, the way they kind of have with Brock Purdy. And then who was the other quarterback last year? Jimmy G. Jimmy Garoppolo. Again, does anybody think Jimmy Garoppolo is that good? The guy who could take over and off? It was the reason that Brock Purdy fit into the offense <laughs> is because they already didn't expect much from the quarterbacks. Now, Brock Purdy's given them more. Than they got from Jimmy Garoppolo because, well, quite frankly, he's better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, look, yes, Jimmy Garoppolo got where he got because he played for Bill Belichick. And people thought that he was the next Tom Brady because he played under Brady and Belichick made Brady, so Belichick made Garoppolo. But Brady was different. There was a reason. I mean, look, there was a reason that Jimmy Garoppolo never became the guy in New England. And when he got to the 49ers, they realized that guy wasn't that good. They changed the offense to say, hey, look, we're going to hide this guy a little bit. So then when you replace him, you don't have to go get the tippy-top guy. And so Brock Purdy comes in a seventh-round pick, and he doesn't make mistakes, which is great. It's great that he doesn't make mistakes. They don't ask him to drop back 40 times. And you know what? That's okay. Because what are we saying about Dallas yeah. right now? We're saying don't make let, let that drag back forty times. And you know, as you're saying that by the by the numbers, I, you, it's hard to say that Purdy isn't better than Dak. Dak throws more interceptions. Dak yes. makes more mistakes. He throws the ball more too. The thing is that he, yeah, and, he's and asked to do he, more. He breaks under critical pressure sure. situations. Mm-hmm. Purdy doesn't. Purdy's never had to. He's never had a situation. He doesn't have to. Where he had to carry it either. So why, the, is irre- so why is it relevant? He doesn't have to, and yet when the moment arrives, he delivers. I mean, he threw for 300 last week. He did throw for 300. So he can game. do it. But if you look... I would love to see it. I'm a, I wish I could pull it up by half because he had more throws in the first half than the second half. Again, there were a, a little bit of that was they had the lead. 
But yeah. in the first half, he did not look good at all. He did not look and good. And that's okay. That's that okay. is okay. Not even, it's okay. It is okay you to can say the same be... thing about Josh Allen right now sure. in a tale of two has or two games. Yeah. This, but, okay, this happens but, even to the elite. But you're going to tell you me. You can say right? that about Patrick Mahomes in week one. Yes. But it, it happens. But at the same time, there are times where Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, you hand the ball to and go, the game is yours. The 49ers are That's the question mark. Spot where you've had to do that That's the question mark. Yes. You're right. You're right. That is the question mark that he hasn't had to answer yes. yet. At some point, yeah. he will have to answer that question. Yeah. And that's well, the question mark everyone has, is because you haven't had to see that out of him yet. Yeah. I am confident that when that moment happens, and it will, it happens to every quarterback, no matter how good your team around you is. It yeah. will come down to, at some point, you have to deliver in a critical situation. Yes. We have seen that out of Dak, and he has not answered the call more often than he has. When that happens, we will find out whether Brock Purdy can answer that call. He just yeah. hasn't had to yet. Yeah, he, I mean, that's true. He has not, that's my point. Because he hasn't been in the position that he's had to yet. You know, and, and that's where, again, I just, I can say with a with a pretty good confidence that while I think he may be capable of it, he hasn't had to yet. And I don't know that they know they are that confident of him because of how they play. They haven't taken the they haven't put him in a situation to say, let's roll. Now, I'll tell you a situation where they could do that. This week is an opportunity. This week's an oh, opportunity yeah. where you can go, hey, we're going to come out and we're going to spread this motherfucker out and see what you can do. Let's roll. Because the defense it's can probably, save you on the backside. Well, and in the second half, if you're not, if you're not good in the, second, in the first half, the second half, you can get better with the run game. I think that that happened a little bit on Thursday night because he wasn't as good. They did throw the ball more in the first half than the second half. And you could argue that it was because they had a lead, but I think that more of it was they did want to see what he could do. He made some really poor throws in the first half of that game. Now, I told you this beforehand. Before we I, agree. I but agree. I agree. But I also agree. think in the second half of that game Thursday night, he was two shitloads better. Like, he was a good NFL quarterback in the second half of that game. In the first half of that game, he was a bad NFL quarterback. And it doesn't have to do with the numbers. It has to do with where placements of throws were. Like he missed yeah. throws, but he didn't miss them in the second half. I agree. I, and, and I, I, I saw that too. I agree with you. Yeah. I, do like agree I was with sitting you. there watching the first half of that because game. Because of that, how the skepticism yeah. is in a like, And I didn't bother you about it because I was like, we'll see what happens. Because my thought process was when I was watching that, I was like, okay, he's not playing well. But they're going to go back to running the ball. And they did the end of the second quarter, take some of the stress off. They got a little bit of a lead. And then in some of those second and fours, you know, third and two, they let him throw a couple things that did the test him. This could be a week that he might throw the ball 40 times. This, if I'm the 49ers, it's this is a week where I can go up there and say, let him go. Let him see what happens. I mean, look, the 49ers are going to have a couple of well, I, would, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to see that. I would personally would not want to no. see that. What I would like to see is that they 
have some place built in there for him to be the critical juncture. Okay, so I'll give you an example here coming up. I'm looking at their schedule. Their schedule. They have the Cardinals this week, the Cowboys the next. You know you're going to a big game as the Cowboys next week. Yeah. Then they have the Browns and the Vikings. So, again, two teams, they know they can – I don't think they're going to roll the ball out there and just play, but they have those two games. After the Vikings game, they have the Bengals. Again, another game, you're going to have a hard competitive game. And that game is uh-huh. in Cincy. So I'm looking at it and I'm going, wait a minute. I've got, if I'm the 49ers, I'm thinking, okay, let's throw a shitload of tape on Brock Purdy throwing the ball a shitload against the Cardinals. Whether he's good or not, throw it a shitload. Because now the Cowboys are going to have to plan on that. They're going to have to say, wait a minute, they're willing to do this. They got a plot on that. We're going to get back to the run game against the Cowboys. Then uh-huh. you beat the Cowboys, which hopefully they will for them. They have the Browns and the Vikings. Look, those are two games they should, even though on the road, those both, both road games. They play those two those two games. Now, look, the Vikings are really bad. The Browns have a decent defense. The Vikings are just piss poor. Go into Minnesota. That's a Monday night game. Go out there and have Brock Purdy throw the ball 40 times. Because then the next week you go back home. Again, I'm mistaken. I said it was at the Bengals. It's at the 49ers. You go back home, and maybe the Bengals, the guy sit there and go, shit, we might not just be running against this run. They might want to get into a shootout too. And I don't know if we can stand in a shootout with them. Again, make it that way. If you think Brock Purdy's that good, take those two games, those two particular games this week and in three weeks. And just go out there and throw the ball 40 times and put it all on. Bring up an interesting strategy here because, you know, what that basically sets up then for the rest of the year is you don't know which team you're getting exactly that week. So show me. So if you think he's that good, that's where you got to show. Me. Because if you don't show me there, the Cowboys and the Bengals aren't going to be worried about it. And you can't prove that you're that good yet. And he won't have the confidence that he can do that against a really good Dallas defense. And against the Bengals defense, it's really good. Yeah. Because then a month later, you go into yeah. Philly. So if you're going to beat that those teams. Work in their favor, yeah, the other There's thing that works in their favor is that they yeah. had the Thursday game. So they've got an extended week. Yeah. To prep for, so you know. that's where I'm at if I'm them. If, I, if, if, they, if I'm wrong, because I don't know that he's that guy, because I haven't seen it yet. If I'm not going on blind faith of that, I just won't. I'm not going blind faith about anything. You know me. Yeah. Show me that I'll yeah. believe you. Show me those two weeks because then those other teams have to believe it. And if you do it those two weeks, and even if you don't have to do it or try to do it against Dallas and Cincy, at least the threat is there and you're making them respect that part of the game. Otherwise, these better teams, Dallas in two weeks, Cincy in five, the Eagles in eight weeks are going to say, we don't respect that part of your game. We're going to figure out a way to stop your run game. And we're going to put and everything we've seen on that. Year after and we're year going to year make work. you beat us. 
And that's how teams are going to try to beat them. So when you're playing the lesser teams, go beat them that way. So they can't, so then the better teams have to go, oh shit, they can do it both ways. Otherwise, and then it's, a, it's a it's a great approach as well because we have seen teams that in the first half of the year are very, very good. They win a lot of early games, and then one team comes along and kind of unlocks, you know, figures out the combination. Yeah. And everybody else knows how to beat them, and they it's have a, a really league. rough yeah. second half. Yeah, it's complicated. Yeah. Once you know how to, un- and then once you know the combination to unlock and yeah. defend against a good offense, yeah. everybody now knows how to beat you. Yeah, and so we've he- seen that over the years again and again and again. Yeah, and that's not how everybody should play. It's just not. But if you're no, you have to work with what you got. Yeah, if you're that, if you're the 49ers and you. There are still some people, I'm one of them, who still think the Eagles are the, t- the class of the NFC. That the Eagles are just better. I think the Eagles are better. And I think until the 49ers can beat the Eagles, I'm going to be convinced of that. And it's almost like everyone has the protagonist they cannot beat. Peyton Manning could not beat Tom Brady. I mean, he'll be only beat him. It was once. a tough one. Late in, late in the season, when they all counted and they get to the Super Bowl, Peyton will beat, beat him twice. He beat him once in Indy, but all those years in Indy, he only got him once. Then he got him in Denver once. But all those years, there was a, a mindset that the, those teams couldn't beat Brady and the Patriots. If the 49ers cannot beat the Eagles this season, and the Eagles go back to the Super Bowl again, then the 49ers are going to think they cannot get past them. The same as a generation ago, the 49ers could not get past the Dallas Cowboys after after after, after Joe Montana and with Steve Young. Yeah. Until yeah. they finally got the one thing that got them there to beat the 49ers, the 49ers to beat the Cowboys. And that was when Dion came up. That was the yeah. one time they finally got it done. The mindset's always going to be, we can't beat them until we do it. You're always going to have that protagonist. And for the 49ers, and they meet, the Eagles. They meet in the first week of December, 12-3. That's their meeting. That's the key mark game, to, as you're describing it. Until that the playoffs, is, that's when they meet. I will tell you this. The game on December the 3rd at, in, at Philly, the 49ers and the Eagles, is the single most important regular season game of the year. Quite and simple. Yeah. The it, single it most important is. game. Because the 49ers, as good as they are, will not think they're as good as the Eagles if they don't win that game. And if they don't win that game, the playoff game they play later is in Philly. Yes. Yes. Look, it's the same thing as last year. In the playoffs, the Chiefs didn't think they could beat the could think they could beat the Bengals. Burrow beat him every time until he finally did it. Until he did it, yes. And now they pay for it every game. Look, there's never been a time where a team thought they were going to go to Arrowhead in the playoffs and win. And the Bengals last year were calling it Burrow Burrowhead because every time you win, you beat them. You got to beat them once. 
And when you beat them once, you know you can do it. Now the Chiefs think they're better than the I agree. Bills. And they probably are. But you don't know you are until you do it. And that's my Agreed. thing on the Eagles and the 49ers. So until the 49ers can do it, I'm not going to believe they can. Because they're, they're so similar a team. They, you know what's funny is they both have robust, you know, Rating. weapons, defense, everything. They've got it all, but they do it so differently. Yeah. yeah. Both have, you know, for both sides of the ball, they both do it differently, and yet they're both powerhouses yeah. in what they do. You're absolutely right. Let's compare this for a minute. I like this is a good thing we're going to, I think. You got the four. We talked about the Shanahan thing. Look, he run the football. And the creativeness of Kyle Shanahan is not in the passing game. It's in the run game. It's how they block. It's how they get yeah. the ball to, to certain parts of the line and how they double and attack. I, you could learn so much from watching just how they blocking schemes work in a Kyle Shanahan offense. It's actually really incredible. They have a really great defense. They have the playmakers that are playmakers in the run game. Yeah. Now, the Eagles have a really solid defense. It's not as good as the 49ers defense. Their offensive line is better one through five than the 49ers. The 49ers have the one better guy. I mean, the Eagles yeah. have nobody as good as Trent Williams. But one through five, center, two guards, two tackles, the Eagles offensive line is better. The way they run the football is speed in the point of attack, and it's the quarterback. It's the way that Jalen Hurts plays is that they use him in the run game. Yeah. And a lot of it has to do with how Jalen Hurts played, not at Oklahoma, but at Alabama. Yeah. It was a lot of what he did in the Alabama time. And I know he lost his job to Tua, you know, the national championship game. I mean, I know you don't follow college as much, but that was kind of like dramatic what happened to Jalen Hurts in college. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Even and, about that. Yeah. But what they did with him is they've said the same thing that the 40 hours are currently doing with Brock Purdy. They said, look, you're not going to go out there and win the game for us. We don't expect you to drop back and throw the ball 40, 50 times. They're not as good when he does. But when you can run the ball the way they can, they can run a lot of the dive read stuff, a lot of the read option stuff that he's excellent at. And then the smartest thing they went and did was two draft days ago going to get A.J. Brown. They got two wide receivers that in the passing game, all they got to do is get them open, scheme them into an open spot, the run game is out there first. It schemes everybody into the box. Now you got man coverage, and he, Jalen Hurts is good at taking the ball. And it's because he's an active quarterback. Now, Brock Purdy's not that. Now, the 49ers thought Trey Lance was that. And that's why I wouldn't have given up on Trey Lance. Now, again, they know him better than I do, clearly. He was in their system for two seasons. But that's what they thought they had with Trey Lance. And that's why I was like, dude, I gotta have that guy. Because I've seen that guy's athleticism. Uh, and that's where I was like, that's why I'm keeping him. 
So I look at it and I go, wait a minute, these two teams kind of mirror each other. It's just that the Eagles do it a little faster while the 49ers are a little bit slower and methodical about it. Nothing's right or wrong about either way. They both work. It just comes down to eventually. Yes, they do. Yes. The end results are very similar between those two teams. I, I do think one through 53, the Eagles are also a better team. They're better roster. And that's not shade on the 49ers. The 49ers are one of the top five rosters in the league. The Eagles, I think, one through 53, are the best roster in the NFL. There is no weak point on that team. And it's because they have an amazing general manager. He's the best general manager in team sports. And they go and get players. They figure out ways to do it without killing themselves. It helps when you don't have to pay a quarterback you know, for those first couple of years, they haven't had to pay Jalen Hurts till next season for his extension. You know, kind of like they're how gonna the, they're going to have to pay him. Yeah, they pay him. They're only paying him starting next season. I mean, they made the extension with him. That's the cost of doing business now. I mean, quarterbacks are going to cost you 40, 40 plus million. You know, so it helps the 49ers. They don't have to pay Brock Purdy that yet. He only making 900000 this year. 900000 for your quarterback. The last time you had something like that, you know who it was? It was Russ. Yeah. It was Russ in yeah. Seattle. Russ didn't win the Super Bowl. Beach Russ boom didn't boom. cook. The Legion of Boom and Marshawn Lynch won a Super Bowl. I, I root for uh-huh. six. I saw what Marshawn Lynch can do. I saw him win a playoff game by himself offensively. Uh, they would have won two if they had stuck to that. We talked about that already. Why are you throwing the ball first and goal with the one? If you can't get one yard on first down and goal, the with one. Marshawn Lynch. No, I don't mean just that. I mean, like, this week we saw it twice. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Teams do interceptions first and goal with the one. Like, what are you doing? Quit being cute. Run the ball. Look, if I can't get first and goal with the one on the first play, then we'll talk about maybe throwing the ball third down. But fuck, give me two shots to one running the ball first. You think the Eagles or the 49ers would have thrown an interception first and goal with the one? Oh, no. No. We had that. And they ran two sneaks and pushed Hertz in this week. And there's no way you do that with Purdy. You hand it up to CMC just like Russ would have should have done to Marshawn with Marshawn Lynch and just punch it in from one yard out. There's no way you do that same thing. Uh Uh-uh. But the crazy thing about the Eagles, the Eagles did it. They did one where they they pushed him right in. But I hope you saw this. Let me pull it back up here. No, they did it twice, back to back, to get him in. I know, but one more time. Where am I here? I want to make sure I get this right. Hurts into two interceptions in the game. Yeah. I'm trying to find this now. No, now I can't find it. Both of them are in the red zone. Like, it's like, if you got the run game, just go do it. Just go do it. I mean, look, we're going to find a way to get the hands 
I mean, it, you put the ball in the one-yard line, and you can't get in running the ball three times. That's on you. That's not on anybody else. That's not a defense out-schemed you. That's plain and simple. You couldn't attack three guys on two at the line of scrimmage. That's all you got to do. Double-team the guy in the A-gap. And I actually, it was the Chiefs I saw that did a smart fucking thing in the run game recently. Um, the Chiefs made an adjustment. I think it was last week's game where they put the back in motion and put him right behind the A-gap on an obvious run play and just pushed and go in the end zone. Mahomes goes in the end zone. Like, thank you. We don't have to get cute. You're a better team than them. Not that complicated. Don't go complicate winning. Run the motherfucking thing in the end zone. Oh, yeah. If you're, and if you're the Eagles, you've got Kelsey right in front at center. Just go right up his butt and get in. That's all you got to do. Yeah. And you can do that. There are not enough teams who do that in those situations. They make the wrong call. Yeah. That's a coaching thing. In, in, all, in all fairness, that is an OC and coaching problem if you don't know to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I Yeah. So the interception, here's the thing I'm talking about in the, in the Eagles game this week. The Eagles were one of the teams that did this. Yeah. First and goal at the Tampa. Oh, sorry. That, that was a deep pass that was caught at the one. Never mind. I thought it was at the goal line. Now they had one first where two, I believe first interception that was intercepted was... at the one, and he was tackled at the one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. I messed that up. No, the Eagles were not the team that did that. Um, but I saw a couple of them this week where I was just like, you got to be fucking shitting me. I mean, just get up there and fucking run the just ball. Push him in. Just push him in. Push yeah. in. And in college, you do it every fucking play. Because now it's late college. The Bush push. I mean, since Reggie Bush did it. I mean, it was just literally just take the biggest motherfuckers you've got and just push the goddamn quarterback into the fucking end zone. Yeah. yeah. I, just, I don't see why you don't do that. that Line up Trent Williams as the fucking fullback if you have to. Right. <laughs> Just yeah, have him trade like, jersey you know, on timeout. Well, I mean, you, but I mean, go get go get the big <laughs> go get you know like we saw in the eighties the fridge you know with, with you know William Perry. Yeah. Oh you yeah, know, with the fridge. Yeah, we've yeah. seen plenty of teams go get a fucking defensive tackle, make him a fullback. You know, Just attack the point of attack it. Okay, yeah, a linebacker is going to try to jump over. Okay, if the linebacker jumps over and gets your running back, that's because that motherfucker didn't get in there fast enough. Plain and fucking simple. Tell him, you see the fat man's yes. ass? Put the ball, your head, and everything else in there. Follow the fat man's ass. It's a, it's as straightforward a play I, as there is, it's, I, and it's done at every level. Don't tell me you can't do yeah. it. it. It is one of the easiest. I I plays. I remember this. Put night. your head down and go. Uh, and we're going to end with this. I, remember, I had this talk one time with a coach, local coach here in, in Lawrence. Um, he and I were talking. And he was like, "What do you do?" Because we knew we run the ball really well. And he was like, "Well, what do you do?" He's like, "You don't have the best running backs." And I was like, "I don't have the best linemen either." And I was like, "But I taught all my running backs one thing and one thing only: get in that ass, just go, get in there and push. Because if you don't get the one yard," You're not going to get the 10 more. And eventually, in some parts of the field, you're just going to push the hole open, and you're going to break a big. 
And so the, the, the line I used that coach that day, we were talking about it. And he says, well, what do you tell him? And I said, I just tell him to get right in that ass. I said, it just like that. Just get right in that ass. <laughs> and I, he was like, really? I said, like, go and tell your running backs. Like, look, they're going to push if you're pushing them. And you tell your lineman, look, he's coming. And he's going to get right behind you. And he's coming. And your job is to push this motherfucker out the way so that he can score. I mean, look, just get in that ass. Just go. You What are you going to tell? You would tell a high school kid if he was chasing the girl, go get in that ass. It's, it's a lot easier thing. if two people are pushing against a D lineman than one. Yeah. Get in his butt and push him because yeah. he's helping you push that guy. I want I want just big, strong, just go. And, and that's the thing I think we get too cute on in the NFL – and you see it in college. It's dripping into college now. The the good teams in college. I mean, I don't, did you watch Ohio State and, Michigan, and Notre Dame on Saturday night? Did you hear how Notre uh, Dame I lost the game? Not. Okay, Notre Dame lost not. the game. Notre Dame was ahead, okay. So Ohio State's ahead like ten seven. It's a close game throughout, but Ohio State's ahead most of the game. Notre Dame takes the lead late in the fourth quarter. It looks like they're going to win. Ohio State drives all the way down the field. And they got the ball on the one-yard line. And it's do or die. I mean, this is it. They're going to run out of time. And they just run right up the fucking middle. And they just push the offense, the defensive line. Now, look, Notre Dame's defense is a pretty good defense. They're big. They're strong. They stop the run. And they run the ball well. They're actually a pretty good team. They're not a playoff team. Yeah. They're pretty good. And Ohio State just mauled them at the end. They just mauled them into the end zone. And it was like, okay, that's what I want to see when you know you're better than somebody. And Ohio State knew they were better than Notre Dame. They hadn't played like an all game. Hadn't played like an all season. They knew they were better. Now, the Notre Dame fans will say, we only had 10 players in the field. That's your own fucking problem. But if I'm better than you, and I know I'm better than you, I'm just going to fucking maul you. Just going to run it right up in your ass and make you stop me. And, and that's good teams do that. Alabama won six national championships in the Knicks State because they ran the football better than everybody. In a time where everyone wants to get flashy and throw the ball for 500 yards, throw the ball 60 fucking times. And Nick Saban's got his... His quarterbacks now aren't very good, but his last four, his last four first-round picks, all franchise quarterbacks. They all ran the football. They all had good offense. So, hey, let's get out of here on that. I appreciate the time. We ran a little long tonight. We ran a lot long tonight. So, <laughs> we we had, Well, we've had a good time today. All right. So, hey, thanks. If you're still yeah, good, thank you one. so today much. Hey, we want to thank DraftKings. We've mentioned them a couple times today. DraftKings is our great sponsor here on the podcast. Uh, don't forget to check them out. You open your account, use the link in our show notes. You're going to get $100 in free bets on your first deposit. Also, check out all the different stuff coming on. Ryder Cups this weekend, and you can get a special bonus right now, plus 250 odds on any pick for the highest scoring player in the Ryder Cup. I know, Uncle Rico, you're a huge golf fan. I'm not as much as you are, but even I'll watch a little bit of the Ryder Cup. So I'll check it out. Uh, I'm going to have to get you offline and get a couple of tips from you on that. 
But check it out. And check it out, of course, you get all the NFL action, all the college football action on DraftKings. Check them out. We thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Uh, I want to thank Tyler Jones, everybody on Studio Soapbox for all you do behind the scenes. I'll be on the Jones Report again this week doing the football fix and bragging about how much smarter I am than Tyler about football. Uh, most importantly, I want to thank you, the listener. Don't forget to rate us and review us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast. We appreciate every five-star review. Until next week, I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor, Uncle Rico, Ricardo Gerbellini. We'll be back next week to talk more NFL. Have a great week. Remember, your time tokens are non-refundable. Take care, everybody.